Hey up everyone, welcome to Yacha Gamers, a big war games podcast and episode 12. Uh, this has been recorded on the morning of the 14th of August 2021, just three hours before Bradford City's first home game of the season. So I'm re- looking forward to going out and having myself a, a tikka pie at half time, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, but this pod cast is about wargaming well bits of it are so uh we'll sure be going along to our interview shortly uh and today's episode is all about terrain and uh, who better to ask about that subject than the master himself uh, and that's david marshall from tm terrain so we'll be popping over and uh, having a chat with him shortly a little bit of housekeeping before we go just to let you know that um I've been, with three weeks in between this one and the previous podcast, I've been doing a bit of planning. And um, I've quite surprised myself, actually, but with all the people we've got in and some of the new stuff that's coming up, um, I've probably only got one uh, available slot for a guest, possibly two, uh, between now and the new year, which is uh, a great place to be in. And um, lots of guest ideas uh, going forward. Uh, probably enough for another year or so and with some of the new features that are coming up um, the the long-term future of the podcast looks uh, pretty good Uh, whether we'll continue with the two-week recording schedule or not I'm going to have to uh, review as we go along but for the moment it's looking good looking really good there's a couple of new formats for the show coming up um, that uh, I'm going to chat about uh, after the interview. Uh, just in other news, um, Leeds War Games Club is now back open and we had an open day uh, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, I was trying to do some recording uh, in, uh, there, but uh, sadly just things um, happened and, it, and I didn't get a chance to uh, speak to people. Um, I'm hoping to get five, ten minutes with... Uh, Andy and Ian from uh, Leeds War Games Club uh, just to chat about Hicks Hall and the history of the club which uh, hopefully will be in the next episode. Uh, So without further ado let's go to our interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of the Reap Big War Games podcast. And uh, after going all intercontinental on you for the last couple of episodes, when we've been to Australia and the good old USA, we're coming back home. And where better to come back home than to a lad who grew up in God's own? Uh, we're, we're in the right place here. And uh, today's guest uh, can be described as many things. And I've got a list here, and that is the master of the plastic card he has a black belt in weathering he is the principal of the resin water feature a dab hand with a dry brush and a dashing fellow with an airbrush please welcome the king of the diorama mr tm (laughs) terrain himself it's a big huge white rose welcome to david marshall hello david thank you gosh that's a nice nice introduction (laughs) (laughs) now i've not set you up to fail there have i mate you're not going to disappoint after that (laughs) i'm all okay except the airbrush i'm not quite a master of that one oh hey i've seen some of it i've seen some of your airbrush weathering it it looks good mate don't don't yeah yes i need to yeah i need to service my airbrush let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we could we could talk about how 
what yeah. a pain in the backside <laughs> airbrushes are later on, I'm sure. Um, so um, we, we had a brief chat before we uh, we, we came on air, and uh, you've done a couple of interviews before, haven't you? Uh, some time have, yeah. ago now, and that yeah, yeah, was yeah. with uh, the sadly no longer Meeples and Miniatures. Um, yeah, yeah. That would very very classic classic show and yeah. uh, you've done a bit of a youtube thing with the terrain tutor as well yes i have yeah 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 both were great fun thoroughly uh, enjoyed them any excuse to talk about terrain and toy soldiers really eh? the, the, exactly what more do we need what more do we <laughs> <Absolutely>. need <laughs> so um you've had a listen to one of the episodes the one with nick skinner which is uh, i have yeah classic um so you'll know what's coming up next uh the first thing not worried at all not worried at all. The first thing we like to do, well, we've not got to the quiz yet. You need to worry about that. I obviously. know, I know. I have to worry about that one. <laughs> so the first thing we like to do is um, put people under a little bit of pressure. And uh, we're going to talk to you about your terrain building and everything at, at, towards the end of the podcast. Um, so um, just summarise for me, if you can, your kind of war games history. Uh, and just to make it interesting, we're going to do it in four minutes. Four minutes. Uh, four minutes. So uh, no pressure, mate. <laughs> so, I think about having a stopwatch, but I'm going to just do it. You're going to wing it and see how you get on. Brilliant. <laughs> let's, see, let's see what your, uh, your your estimation of time is like. Okay. I'm All right, Dave. Three, two, one. Off you go. Off we go. Well, um, I'm um, 57, and I think listening back to Nick Skinner, you're about you're a similar sort of age. So I would imagine a lot of this will be um, will be similar. But I, uh, my, my life is centred around soldiers, really. Mm. I think, you know, people tell, you know, you, you remember about um, music or stuff like that. For me, yeah. it's soldiers. I remember I was six, lived, lived down south at that time, so yeah. apologies for that. Um, <laughs> but I remember uh, my first two boxes of airfix figures, yeah. World War I German infantry, American Civil War, American uh, artillery. Yeah. And I was six, and it's sort of going on from then, really. Yeah, we moved, um, collected airfix soldiers when I could. You know, when they were 17, 19p a box. You know, that yeah. was all my pocket money went in that, and then get the occasional kit. And but no, no idea about painting. Or, mm. It was just getting figures and putting them on the tape. Well, mm. putting on the uh, carpet in yeah. rolling marbles out and stuff like that. Uh, but the I think the the key moment that got me into war gaming. My aunt bought me Bruce Quarry's Napoleonic. Wars, oh, classic. Those A5 yeah. um, things. And they had pictures of metal figures. And uh, in the back, they had addresses for where to get stuff. Yeah. And I remember I wrote to Hinton Hunt, Hinchliffe Models, and Minifigs. Hinchliffe came back with the catalogue, and I, that's, that, and I went with them. Yeah. So again, my first order was 36 British mounted goons, yeah. all Napoleonic, 18 lifeguards, and 12 Scots Greys. And that was when I was about 11 or 12. And by then I was living in uh, South Cay, just outside Hull. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I remember um, waiting for the postman and all that sort of thing. So that was how that all started. And 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 then the, the rules were in there as well. So we started following that. And then um, the first show I went to, which started getting into the terrain, was at uh, Hull's Station Hotel. Yes, yeah, I remember that, that one. That was yeah. probably yeah. mid-70s, yeah. I'd have thought. And I remember seeing a 54 mil cowboy game, probably run by Ian Beck. And I remember the terrain. It was a, it was a big table and that was it. And I remember I came home and I built my first piece of, built a canteen. And it's sort of just gone on from there, really. Yeah. And I, I, you know, when I went to university, I took my painting table, 
and found a club there and started playing there. Then when I I met my wife <laughs> the next day, I was wargaming. It's it's never it's never been not part of my life. It's yeah. sort of slowed a little bit, but I've been pretty much a club member. I was at Derby and played there a lot, mm. and then finally moved to Loughborough, where I am now, and just joined the club there. And we played all sorts of different things, and from big games, little games, skirmish games, board games. I'll try anything really, but it's all related to I think the look of the game, and I've just and I just found that I had a knack for building stuff mm. and making stuff, and I found that being in around Loughborough near Nottingham, you know, the, the centre of the world for wargaming. Yeah, the Nottingham Got, Mafia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Duncan McFarlane. So I was very sad about the news a little while ago about yeah. Duncan. But, yeah, I got into the magazine there and stuff like that, and it just carried on from there. And uh, I can hear the, the, the countdown there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so, so it's been toy soldiers and terrain building all my life, really. And I don't regret a minute of it. Brilliant. Not a minute of it. So, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's the end of the music coming in now. Perfect time. Right, well, perfect. Well, that was it. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> no, <shut it>. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's, uh, that's a classically well timed one, that I have to say. Thank you, you very you, much. You, you've done really well there. Um, <laughs> the uh, first guest ever, Chris Breeze, works in media and he was absolutely right. spot on. Well, that was expected <laughs> of him. Whereas, Others have been either dreadfully short or dreadfully too long, but I think it's a nice way, a nice ice break at the start to get to get people. Into... I was worried I'd be too long because things can get. I, I could go on a bit. Yeah, no, <laughs> don't worry about that. So can I? Um, the mentioning those old Airfix figures and those first boxes that you got those. Um, the World War One German set didn't didn't have two guys running along with a, like a ring of barbed wire between, or was that the British set? I think that was the British one. Was that I, the British I think set? The the Germans had a lovely machine gun set. They did, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was brilliant. And they all had the um, the pickle yeah. helmets, didn't they? The, the, um, which was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I can. And I remember them in grey, grey plastic, and I remember the artillery in ready plastic yeah. uh, and there was a limber and two or three guns it, well, it was great yeah. and i just played that was you know who cared who yeah, exactly wanted. exactly <laughs> i i one of my earliest mem toy soldier memories is with that world war one german set because i i remember we'd go down on a saturday and buy a box and i remember yeah. i lost uh, like an officer or something from it into the fire grate and i was i was absolutely distraught i'm mean, probably five or six or something like yeah, that yeah, and yeah, i remember yeah. being driven down to the shop to get another box i was that yeah, distraught. Yeah. Like, christ <laughs> get him another box shut him up quick <laughs> so it, it's great to it's great to hear a similar um background to myself so um we were just talking there about our early experiences and you went you said you went off to university and carried on gaming there where, where did that's you go right to? yes Where's... yeah i went to a trent trent poly as it was then in nottingham when i left yeah i packed my clothes and my paints so wherever <laughs> i went i'd always have my paint and uh, of course in nottingham there was tabletop tabletop games was it with yeah. bob connor bob connor ttg um, yeah that's and Bruce, Reed, Bruce and, Reed Taylor. Yeah, yeah. And that was a... I mean, I, I lived in the centre of town for the first year. 
and so it was a bit of a trek out Mansfield Road there. But it was it was one of those trips you just had to do. So, and that was that was a brilliant shop there. So um, I remember buying some fifteen mil Huns, and I did get them painted and played with a couple of times. So yeah. that was that was quite successful. Yeah, and um, found a club there. Met Bob Amy and a few guys there, and Bob Connor went there, and and that that sort of kept me going for three years at, at uni. Any, anywhere I went, top of the list. Take my paints, find a club. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's top of every, everyone's list. Everyone's list. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a lot easier. It's a lot easier these days than uh, I think. I found the Leeds club in a like a two line advert in the back of miniature war games or something like that. Right. Right. Ring, ring this number if you want a hot war games time in Leeds, <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, it's really weird. I mean, I, I lived in Loughborough for ages before I found the Loughborough Club, and that was through because I, I, I still drove to Derby to the club there. And um, I, I found the Loughborough Club with through one of my customers, yeah. So, um, I did a bit of work for him and said, Oh, by the way, I'm in Loughborough, and, and that was it. Um, so yeah, they're not all easy to find. I think I think maybe the trick is that our Loughborough Club is called um, Sons of Simon de Montford. So if you Google Loughborough War Games Club, you just don't find it. Ah, right. So it's kind of <laughs> hiding under a pseudonym. Then. Yes, yes. <laughs> do you have a do you have a gaming setup at home, or do you do most of your gaming uh, at club? It's it's all at the club. I we sort of heart, um, converted the loft, um, boarded it out, and stuff like that. And that was going to be the gaming the gaming room, and I'd have got an eight by six up here. But very shortly after that, I set up TM Terrain, so it just became the studio. So, yeah, so I lost the gaming then. So I I do the odd little game, because I do play little four-by-four skirmish games sometimes. Yeah. So I could play those on the kitchen table, but generally it's at the club. Generally, yeah. yeah. So um, so what's um, what's life like at Loughborough War Games Club? Well, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, we've got... We meet. We have a, a a room at Bow Manor Hall, so it's a, it's quite a historical hall. It's run by the council, so we have a nice um, arrangement with them. And they, it, it was it was an old. Um, I'm not sure if I got quite the details right, but it, it was it, uh, it was a listening station. And um, during World War Two, and all and all the buildings were disguised as haystacks and stuff like that. So it's, oh, brilliant! It's quite an interesting historical yeah. building. And we we're in um, sort of a stable block in one of those. And we meet Mondays and Wednesdays, and then we also have the options for weekend games, and we play all sorts of stuff. It's it, there's not loads of us, but we, um, we play, yeah we play anything anything I think blood bowl, <laughs> big games, little games, science fiction, any, anything really, and, and we're all flitty and you know all shiny shiny and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So you know usual stuff. You, is that your place alone, or do you share that with other clubs and societies? I think I think it's the only club. I think it, we we do share it with a, a nursery. Oh, so you, you can definitely day, definitely can't leave stuff up there. No, we can't leave stuff. We have a we no no everything has to go and we have to put everything back as it was. You can so, uh, imagine a load of little five year olds running around <laughs> with your beautifully built terrain pieces. Yes, that would not um, that would not go down very well. But yeah, uh, so yes, we we have to put everything back. Uh, they're, they're pretty flexible on weekends, uh, so as long as we give them enough notice, it's often okay. Mm. Uh, but again, that, that we do sometimes share that with birthday parties, I think stuff like that. But yeah, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's a pretty good arrangement. So what's um, what's your what's your go to thing when you're gaming? Then what's your sort of favourite periods? I think my 
my favorite period long term is American Civil War, I think. Uh, I, I keep coming back to that. It, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll go away and do other stuff, but I keep coming back to it. And I've, I've played it in six mil, 12 mil, 15 mil, 20 mil, 25, 40. <laughs> and I, I, may, I may have done it in 54, but I, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. think so. So, yeah, and I'll do, I like Sharp's practice with that and yeah. Fire and Fury, both regimental and divisional size. Mm. I play Johnny Reb. So, yeah, so I'll do all sorts of, uh, I just like, I think what dragged me into that period was the, the photographs. I love those black and white posed photographs of, you know, the guys, you know, go to mm. studios before they go off to. Yeah. I, I just loved all that. It just really dragged me in very atmospheric so um and you're not short of stuff to read about the american civil war either no because that Um, was one of the first wars that photography was involved in if i remember correctly yeah i think so i think so i mean um and yeah matthew brady was a was a well-known photographer and you know he used to go around with his wagon and set up and do after after battle shots and stuff like that it was yeah really interesting it was i i I had a a photographer friend and, and we tried recreating he, he was into um, retro photography. Yeah. We, did, we did, we did the the same sort of uh, photography style as mm. as they did then, and and it's very interesting photographing figures that way because it's an infinite. Oh, now I shouldn't be talking photography really because yeah. I don't really know. I, you know, dangerous. I know a little bit. <laughs> it just seemed to give an infinite depth of field with depth that sort of, of field. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was remarkable, really, for just such a simple for such a. You know, simple technology, but yeah, so uh, but then World War Two, I enjoy. I've got 15 and 20 mil, 28 mil armies of that, but I, I like again, I like um, the two fat lardies for that sort of thing, but yeah. battleground for for that sort of bigger, bigger scale game. Mm. Um, and I, I, ancients, I enjoy, but I enjoy ancients in a different way than I do American Civil War. Ancients, I have no interest in the history of it. Yeah, I just love the figures, right? And I yeah. love getting loads of stuff on the board, yeah, and just rolling dice really. So I like Hail Caesar with that. So I have no, I can't. I, <laughs> I try and read ancient history, yeah. and it just will not go in. Yeah, it just will not stick. So I just enjoy playing with toy soldiers with that. Those are my main ones, but I am terribly flitty, terribly flitty. You, you, and, don't, um, you don't stick to cool. stuff and just move around, man. No, and it's I, sort of the good old days were when you, you you'd get an army and you'd play with it yeah. for a couple of years, and, you'd, and yeah. you wouldn't get tempted with other stuff. But today, it's both great and a pain yeah. that you get all this temptation to do other stuff. I think complaining about today's state of war game <laughs> is a bit is a bit disingenuous, really. It's yeah. good, really. So, so you part obviously we're, we're going to go talk about your train building um, in the last section of the show. Um, yeah. But looking through your, your your Facebook and various bits and pieces, you also do some commission painting as well, don't you? I do a bit. It's a nice. I won't say distraction, and it's not my main thing because I, I I'm a, a war. I describe myself as a wargaming style painter. I don't. I've got infinite patience for my terrain. I have. Mm limited patience for figure painting but so i try you know i i don't spend hours on a figure and so i'm 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 i have a couple of regulars that i work for how do you how do you manage that 
with um, the the day job of the terrain and and doing stuff for yourself, I'm always interested when I speak to, <laughs> to people who work in the hobby, who also yeah. have it as a hobby, uh, how they divide their time between their own projects and ones that pay the gas bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, the main thing is that I've kept my hobby, even though I make it, it's my job. So that's the most important thing. Yeah. I still love the hobby. I think as far as terrain building goes, I don't do any for myself other than MDF buildings. Yeah. That's the only way I found I can, a collection of my own terrain is buying MDF or um, tabletop world stuff or, or, you know, Grand Manor before he would, before yeah. he, he only did, he only did painted stuff. I, I can't, I don't make scratch built stuff for myself. Mm. Painting wise, I just, I will just paint in the evenings. Um, I try and I try and leave a leave an evening a week that is for painting, or because I'll, I'll have a couple of evenings where I'm doing emails and quotes and stuff like that, and then I try and get out and game as well. Yeah. So it's usually just one one evening a week. Sometimes I can get a, a you know a Saturday afternoon or something like that. But um, I aim to try and do a 28 mil figure in 10 minutes, quarter of an hour. Yeah. So. I think I can get quite through quite a few and I'll, I'll also happily do a hundred at a time. Yeah. So I'll do all the jackets one night and then I'll yeah. come back in. So that's how I, and occasionally if I'm doing commission painting and then and I've got the same figures of my own on the board on the painting table, then I'll, I'll do mine at the same time as I'm doing theirs. I was going to ask you about the the technique and the process because um, well, I've spoken to quite a few people now on, on here and everyone's got their own little way. So are you a, are you a kind of a big production line kind of guy doing all the boots one night and trousers the next? And I am really. It, it, it does depend a little bit on what I'm painting, but generally that's my most productive way of doing it. I'll do, you know, because I mentioned I, I do some of these smaller skirmish games. Yeah. Um, although I've, st I've decided I'm stopping doing those because they really are flitty. Yeah. You know, it's just... <laughs> it's, but if I'm doing, you know, if we're doing those, then I'll do maybe three or four of those at a time. Or uh, Crooked Dice, I love their figures. Uh, yeah. Carl does a terrific job with, yeah. with his rules and the figures. So at the minute, I've got... I've got a selection of his figures on the on my painting table for and so I'll you know I've got some I've got his uh, his town guard which are medieval and then I've got some post apocalyptic stuff some um, sort of heroy stuff some pulpy stuff so I can't do a production line with that but that's okay yeah I'm happy with that but generally if I want to if I want to paint volume it's yeah boots tonight. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, those those figures that Carl does from Seven TV are absolutely superb, aren't they? They are. They? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, I I do work for Carl, and he said, "Do you want? Do you want? Do you want some figures? You know, you'll pay me, and then so, do you want some figures as well? So I'll go on there. And <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got so many of these, and they just I just oh, they just they like to paint. Oh, they just love them. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a, are you a, an acrylics paint man or enamels? Or yeah. What's your style? No, I, I have a I have an issue with solvents. Over the years, I've I've become quite susceptible to solvents. Yeah. So uh, I I gave I, I I stopped using enamels before I I got the before I was um, 
allergic or whatever to them. I probably started acrylics. Well, when did I mean when do you think Vallejo started to appear? Hmm. In the um, it must be 15, 20 years ago. Maybe yeah, longer. I, yeah, because I, I think that's when I they started to appear then, and I think I was quite early on with them. Yeah, so I've probably been with that for that sort of length of time. In fact, it's um, probably longer than that now. Thinking about, it. I was I'll probably push it back twenty five years. Yeah, Vallejo appealed to me because they were the squidgy bottles. Yeah, and I could I could never get to the bottom of a humble pot of paint without it drying <laughs> out, and so it really annoyed me. <laughs> so that was a reason, and I've I've stuck with Vallejo pretty much ever since. I I, I like their I like their stuff. I've I use um, I've started to use War Games Foundry range. I like their stuff. Yeah, the try. And then I yeah. then I get the then I'll, I'll get Games Workshop as well, but in an emergency because we have a Games Workshop in Loughborough. So if I'm out of black and I've got you know and I need it, then I'll get a pot of black from them. That sort of. So, do you, um, do you, this, I'm talking. This is a bit of a one of my guilty pleasures here, and I think you might get this as well. Do you? Um, kind of enjoy going into games workshop and, and just buying one paint and, <laughs> and, and seeing the guys look when you kind of go no I, I don't want a 200 pound box of mega space marines i just want a tin of black paint please yes yes i, I do enjoy that or paintbrush yes yeah, yeah we, we, i need a paint yeah yeah. yeah, well, they're going, yeah, yeah, what are you into? Yeah, what's your, yeah, what, 40k trip? No, 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 I'm, I'm 50 mil Huns, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, if uh, any, anyone listening, I encourage you to go into your local games workshop uh, and just buy a single single paint or a paintbrush yeah. as, as dave suggests and uh, yeah. and what, whatever yes, whatever you can come up with the most ridiculous army that you've uh, suggested to them when they ask um post yeah. it on twitter and let us know because that uh <laughs> hashtag wind up wind up per gw baiting games workshop stuff oh yeah <laughs> right so it caused a bit of trouble uh, which is what we yeah, like yeah. to do Oops. every now and again here <laughs> <laughs> So when when I when I do talk to people in this section, I like to um, try and define what sort of a because uh, the hobby itself, as 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 you know, being a, a terrain maker, is quite broad. So yeah. um, if we're looking at the war gamer, the painter, the collector, and the historian <laughs> in you, um, yes. how do those how do those four things mix together, and what's prominent, what's kind of at the back of the queue? Uh, I was thinking about this, and I think I think historical is probably at the back of the queue. Yeah, I I can be I read I enjoy reading and the photographs of the American Civil War. I'm I'm not a massive reader generally. It's, yeah. it's, I I pick and choose, and 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 I generally I, I think other things get my juices going more than um, the historical stuff. So, yeah. and I think the um, so the painting, I, I, I put that as creative, really, yeah. as, as a more of a bigger umbrella. And I think, I have to say, the creative side of it is probably yeah. the the most important thing to me. Yeah. But it, but I couldn't really. It was I found it very difficult to split the the creative, the wargaming, and the yeah. what was the third one? Uh, wargamer, painter, collector, historian. Yeah. So I think collecting probably behind wargaming and painting creative yeah. 
and then wargaming and then collecting yeah. and then uh, history, I think. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's the way it goes. I think if I, I can be tempted by the look of figures, by the look of terrain, yeah. uh, I can forgive a game a lot if it looks great. I can, and I think even the look of a game over, uh, that might, I was going to say over the look of figures, but I think it's a, they work together. Yeah. And I think if you've got lovely terrain and crap figures, then it brings a whole lot down and the other way around as well. So yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think I'm right with that, but um, yeah, so that's, I, I think that's the way it goes for me. Yeah, that's, Definitely. that's, uh, and mm. um, what's your, what's your current personal war games project or, or, or you got loads on the go what's you what's the thing that you're working oh, on at the moment well uh, what i've got on the painting table as so i've got the uh, cookie dice stuff but i've also uh, um uh, the uh, game of thrones game from simon um, oh, call me right. or not yeah right. I, I've got, I... I enjoy painting those i thought i've got to be in the mood to play the game yeah because it is quite precise which yeah isn't always up my street mm. but I, I i forgive it a lot because it's got some lovely mechanisms about you can use off-board figures for sort of politics and stuff like that so mm. and the figures do look gorgeous so that's what i'm painting at the moment but as far as sort of preparing for another for projects it's i mean we're playing quite a lot of world war ii smaller scale mm. with uh, started playing uh, Blitzkrieg Commander, Blitzkrieg Commander, and I'm, I'm re we're really enjoying that. You know, really, at our age, realistically, <laughs> between 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 your mates, yeah. you've pretty much got everything, haven't you? you really. have. Yeah, you have. Um, so, and it's been interesting with lockdown and stuff. I've really, I started um, recording what I was painting and recording what I was buying, ah, and. Nice. It's a very, I found it a very useful project. And I even went as far as counting my lead mounting. Yeah. And it's given me a lot of self-discipline. So I've, I haven't bought anything seriously as a new project for ages. Well, and my new sort of project yeah. seed and, and juices are, are always fulfilled with um, my commission work. It's sort of, it's, it's, it's weird. So at the minute, I'm just pottering, enjoying getting rid of my, my lead mounting. And it well, is so yeah. therapeutic. It's so, <laughs> so um, I mean, do you have a lead mount? You must have a lead mount. Yeah, I do. Um, and yeah. um, and I kind of, I kind of started. I started a, a thing on the side of my blog about seven or eight years ago, doing exactly right. what you're saying there. Um, the number of figures I've bought, uh, and then the number of figures I've painted. And and what what's really really worrying is that um, I have painted probably two three four hundred more a year each year than I've bought, mm. and I still yeah. have a lead mount. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. How does it? Uh, yeah, because I, I don't know. I, I think they multiply. I don't yeah. think it's our fault at all. No, definitely happens. No. Def yeah. <laughs> so I, I counted the number of figures that I had painted, in, but I didn't count the lead mounting. Right. Oh no, I can't bring myself to, to count the number of figures I got painted. That would. I don't know whether that would be psychologically good for me or not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so but I, I think I. 
the lead mounting count was very good because it was smaller than I expected. And it was small enough to think that by the end of this year, I could clear it. Yeah. But that wasn't, that was, as it turned out, unrealistic. Anyway. Are, you, are, are, you, are you prepared to share with fellow addicts listening the, what your lead mounting total is? Well, it was only, only, only five, like that. five or six hundred figures. Oh, that's, that's very really good. Really too bad, was it? Yeah, that's very which good. I was surprised. And I was as honest as I could. As I think I was honest. <laughs> I think. You, I've got a, I've got sort of like a box in the back of his drawer full of bits and pieces, and I didn't yeah. count those. But but everything that yeah, and that included. The, the, I had some interesting um, sort of decisions to make. Yeah, what what do you count a ten mil figure, or what do you count a twelve oh, mil figure? Is yeah. that yeah. is that is that two twenty eight? Is that a twenty eight mil figure, or do you count? You know, so that was um, yes, all sorts of very important questions like that <laughs> have to be answered. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there needs to be a national adjudication committee. Absolutely, uh, for all these questions because they're very, very important to many people. I think we decided as our as our our group because we we all sort of got involved in it that you count the millimeters and divide the millimeters. In, you know, so a six mil is four twenty eight. Oh, I like that. Oh, uh, oh. A twelve mil is two twenty eight. That sort of thing. It, it's you know, it's done us all right. So. <laughs> So are you a are you a hoarder when it comes to figures then? Do you keep all your stuff or, or do you do you manage to let some go? I have sold stuff in the past. Some I've regretted, some I've I've been okay with. Yeah. The the one big regret was a English Civil War War Games Foundry Army. Mm. And I got rid of that and that was I wish I hadn't. But otherwise I'm okay with it. And I think I would like to I'd like to sell i think my 15 mil world war Two. so i think i've my days with 15 mil are over yeah i don't i don't i don't like the scale anymore um but it's just getting off your backside and selling them <laughs> really. i found some of the bring and buys you know um uh, the york show you know where you can hire a table yeah and um hammerhead that's that i found to be really good for uh selling stuff rather than ebay and things like that. i just can't be bothered yeah. to do it so yeah so probably a bit more hoarder but it's not because i hoard it well i <laughs> 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 yeah i i can't be asked to sell them but yeah well that, 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 that's better than having the regrets isn't it because uh, um, it, is. One, it is one guy I spoke to a couple of episodes ago john lander he uh, he had a beautiful 28 mil Wars of the Roses army that he sold before he emigrated to the States, got right. to the States and then immediately regretted selling Ooh. it. Rang the guy, Ooh. rang the guy back who he <laughs> sold it to up, re rebought it from him and then shipped it to the USA. So that <laughs> that is proper regret, that isn't it? Wow, that is, yeah, yeah. Now I don't think I'd go that far because I I mean part of it is just selling it. For more space so you sort of get it in your head that i've got more space now to fill so um yeah i just i've just had to you just get used to the regret don't you yeah and don't do it again don't do it again that's that's <laughs> a very 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 good lesson um we'll just have a quick short break there for the audience and we'll come back in a second with our um, normal second part chat on big games
Uh, so in the, in the second part of the show, we like to uh, talk about big games. But uh, just in the break there, we were we were having a laugh and a joke about our little uh, games workshop wind up. Uh, <laughs> so if anyone would like to uh, go into their local shop and try and buy a single dice, or what was your suggestion, Dave? Was it well, uh, 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 one of those pots of um, sand that they they sell as um, a base texture? I'm sure that's a that, that must be one of their smallest things they sell. You, you could you could walk in yeah. with a bag of builder sand, couldn't you, and go, I've, I've got, how much do you want to buy this off me for? Because that, that's like, I, I don't know how much they charge for their tiny pot of builders. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I do like to have a laugh with the with the guy yeah. behind the thing. <laughs> uh, so um, we're rapidly moving on before we get one of those uh, deceased and cyst notes. This is from Games Workshop. Um what so we talk about big games then? So what when I say big game, what's the what comes into your mind? What's your uh, big big table? Lots of people. I think that's that's what I would consider as a big game. Mm. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it the last twenty four hours or so, and um, I, I think that's that's my that's what always pops into my head. And I think so. I don't think it's the scope of the game necessarily you know because you, I mean you can play massive scopes of games with just two players mm. um, on small tables but it's maybe loads of figures as well that's how it, yeah your, I mean what, what's your first sort of memory then what, what can you can you remember the first time you saw a game and went bloody hell look at that I think um, oh, there was there was a group of guys that did the show circuit uh, for Yonks did massive Napoleonic games. The the songs that's it. Shelley Oak and the District War Games Society. Yeah, and they were you'd look at those and they were just wow. I must admit the the memorable games that shows aren't necessarily big games, but um that's a uh, maybe that's another thing. But um so yes I think I mean really I suppose going back to that the show I mentioned in Hull all those years ago at mm. the station hotel Wild West game. I mean, when you when you're young, everything's big, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah, everything's bigger than it is, than it really is. But that that was probably my first experience of a big game. It just seemed to to be enormous. You know, the buildings were big. There there were people all around it having a great time. The figures were big. That was probably my think about my first experience of big mm. games. But I think my main my main experience with big games are are at shows. I mean, I haven't been to any holiday centres or you know to any special gaming places so yeah so it, it, it's pretty much all it shows and then then the Loughborough Club do the big games on Sundays sometimes which I've sort of got out of the habit of going to which is a yeah it's funny just a bit disappointing really you just get out of the habit and um what sort of things do yeah. Loughborough or, or did they or do they put on well, no, they still do. Okay, mm. But um, big games is what do they do? They, uh, quite a lot of World War Two, smaller scale. So yeah. a lot of 10, 12 mil World War Two. One or two chaps can put on uh, quite a nice size ancients game. I've in the past have put on naval games. Uh, mm. I've got an, I've got a nice collection of what scale are they? One seven hundred. Yeah. So uh, the same scale as. Um, Black Seas from Warlord, yeah. but uh, Skytrex used to do a lovely range, Trafalgar range of one six hundred, yeah. and I got a lot of those. And we played some play some big games 
of that, but that was big because the ships were like five inches long. Yeah. You're trying to do like Trafalgar, just you know, humongous. <laughs> uh, and uh, but and we we used we converted a board game, close action was called, and that was a hex based game. So we used the hexon stuff from oh Callistra, is it from Callistra? Yeah. So they're ten centimeters across. So that's converting a a hex on the board game that's a centimetre across to something 10 centimetres. So, you know, it was just yeah. a, that was just a big game. Uh, <laughs> so, and we've, we've converted board games into uh, larger games and things like that. So it, it's it's quite a selection. But I, I've, I haven't really been involved in those big games for, for a long time. I think I, I, I get involved in big games through customers, yeah. but um, it's not... Yeah, it's not something that I've really... I, when, I don't know. You, yeah. you just fall out of the habit. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's weird. Uh, uh, some, some of us haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was it was it part of your, you know, of your younger game in life then? Was you, were you hordes of Napoleonics across a huge table over a weekend? It, 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 I, I did. I was lucky enough to have quite a lot of space at home so we could play quite yeah. large games there but I, I just I've just thought about hordes of the poem when I was lived still lived at home we found we found a club in Hull it was at a it was at a school and I can't remember mm. the name of the school or things like that. and I don't know I was probably 13 14 15 and they I remember they put on a, a big Napoleonic game uh, in a it was in the hall so it must have been, I don't know, 30, 40 feet long, just mm. tons of figures. And, and I went both days and I just sat and watched for the yeah. whole whole weekend. <laughs> so that was my, I think that was that was quite a sort of typical really of my, you know, how important the soldiers were in my life. Yeah. Just I could just sit and just enjoy watch just yeah. just watch it. And yeah. they didn't interact with me at all. They didn't, you know, not like it would be today. They just got on with playing and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I, and I think I've also put on larger games for shows. So again, based around nice looking terrain. So mm. one large game I would describe as a large game, but it wouldn't fit my definition of it being a big table because yeah. it was on eight by six, but it was an Indian mutiny game. Mm. And it was a game we put on probably in the nineties and it was eight by six and the idea was it was participation and it was so successful it was designed for like five players a side and i built a, a wall that the uh, mutineers were going to attack and the british europeans were trying to withdraw to a, to a boat and get away mm. and it was and there was all sorts of things happening yeah and um there was only a british commander would have would only have a unit of 10 but it was up to him to so you know, so he wasn't a big command, and it, I don't know if it was car driven or whatever, but it was just mayhem. <laughs> and it was designed for about ten, and it was so. You know, we had fifteen. We would try to we were digging figures out from regurgitating dead all sorts because it was so popular. So that I think would I would class as a big game. Mm. And I think the bit the the big games I've mainly been involved in and, and most enjoyed have been the the games we put on for shows. And is that um, um, the, the the social aspect of it then coming into the fore? I think so. I think I, I think social stuff plays a really important part for me. Mm. Full full stop. And and it's sort of highlighted with the situation over the last year. I get really grumpy 
if I don't <laughs> enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it, it's sort of because you, you have limited gaming time and I, I, I feel I, I should enjoy every game that I play. Yeah. And I don't always, and I get grumpy with it. And it's usually you haven't played the, the right sort of, per, you know, it's just the, the social side is usually the mm. thing that has, has, hasn't worked out. And so, yeah, so going to shows is great. And there's a bit of, you're proud of putting a game on, aren't you? Yeah. You know, and, if, yeah. and if people are enjoying it, you enjoy you enjoy seeing people enjoy it, and all of that sort of thing. And it's and it's a culmination of planning a large project. Mm. It's, it's it's great to see that you know, the deadline you've hit, <laughs> regardless of that you've been painting on the Friday night and the figures are still half wet, but yeah, you know, you've made it. Uh, so I think that's that's where I get most of my big gaming stuff. Is there is there a, is there a group of you then who do those games at shows or is there are it yes by yourself? Um, yeah because I can't I, I I sort of can't commit heavily to a lot of stuff because mm. in my head I have to do my you know I have to pay the mortgage oh uh, yeah the gas and bill so, boring stuff like yeah. that and so I I'm involved with the group but uh, I'll you know I'll, I'll I'll paint figures or I'll you know I'll help. But I don't. It, 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 the enthusiasm comes from somewhere else, mm. um, and that's I, I. I just can't. You know, twenty years ago, before TM Terrain, I could do the whole thing. You know, I'd build, yeah. build a Wild West town. I could do the Indian thing. Yeah. So that wouldn't be a problem. But now I, I have to. I have to be realistic, really, and and sort of take a, a back seat and just sort of help out mm. uh, and just enjoy the. You know, in, enjoy getting involved, but not 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 heavily. Yeah. And do you, do, you, do, you, do you go mainly to Slew, or do you do you sort of do a do a world tour? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we've done Slew for the last few years. We enjoy that. We go down on the Friday, set up hotel, and you know, yeah. So it's a lovely weekend. But we do um, Hammerhead because that's say our, our local shows. Yeah. And we do. Oh, I was going to say we do Partisan, but we haven't done Partisan for a while. And we used to do. Derby. I yeah, think that's, dropped, that's doing, dropped off the calendar now, hasn't it, it? It has now, yeah. We did Derby when it was a. Did we start doing that when it had moved to Donington? And then we did the one when it moved to out in the sticks. Um, oh, the one when it was, was the, last one. the one where it was nearly it, in London? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, because we, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did that. I took my Jutland game to that. And, um, right. And it, I, I, I was saying to my friend, are you sure this is the Derby show? As we were driving down and the miles kept... And I said, we're nearly in London. What's oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, that well, whole... Yes, it was it was very strange, that one. Yeah, less of, less so, of, it less shame. Of, yeah, shame yeah, yeah, that yeah. show's gone. Um, so well, we don't do... Yeah, we we tried other ones, but... Mm. They, I mean, we've been to Crisis. Yeah. That was good. Mm. That's, that's a brilliant... You know, you... You, you stay for a few days and do a bit of battleground walking and things like that. Um, but yeah, so we pick and choose. And sometimes, some years we just, we, we just about get to salute, you know, the, the enthusiasm isn't there because it's, there's a lot of effort and you need, you need someone who just gets enthused with a project. Drives, don't you? Drives. you can't, you can't say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Come up with something, come up with something. And yeah. it just doesn't, it just doesn't flow unless yeah. someone is enthused with it. So, um, yeah. Brilliant. 
Well, just, just to finish off this little section, then I always ask people um, if they've got any advice to or suggestions for, for people who are new into gaming or relatively new to the historical side of things about doing a big game as opposed to most people are coming in now from Games Workshop, which are more of a skirmish type game. Is there any advice or just don't well, do it? Or... I, well, no, don't, no, definitely don't definitely go for it yeah but i would i would maybe don't buy off too much i think um you need to be enthusiastic about whatever you choose don't you you've got to want to do it haven't you? yeah there's yeah. there's no point if you just half-hearted at it and if you're coming from skirmish games don't suddenly go to a 30-foot table with you know three thousand figures and that sort of thing you know, build up really mm. And maybe look at it as a long-term plan of maybe two or three. <laughs> sounds bad, but two or three years really. Yeah. And and make sure you enjoy it. Yeah. Because you know if if you bite off too much, you're going to lose your enthusiasm. Mm. If you don't really enjoy it, then you're not going to keep doing it. If you you know all of those, if you, if you're not enthusiastic about what you're doing, you're not going to do it. So all those three enthusiasm, realism. I had a third thing: realism and enthusiasm i think yeah, yeah, yeah. probably the thing and yeah. and just yeah but yeah don't be put off and just go for it yeah i think that's really important because uh, obviously i tend to do things on a larger scale here and people mm. uh, will see it on the internet and go wow that's great i want to do that and then i'll say well it's taken me six seven years to get to that point mm. and mm. it's like well well no i want i want to do my game next weekend Mm. <laughs> that's just not, yeah. just not realistic it's a lot and and what when you when you've been gaming for 35 40 years two or three years on a project isn't a massive amount of time no if, no. if you've just started then two or three years seems like forever doesn't it when you it does when you, and there's lots of things that, that sort of intermediate that you can build up to so i mean i you know i was listening to to you talk to nick last night and um how you use sharps practice and infamy infamy you can get into napoleonics or acw or ancients mm. with just 100 figures make the board you know look nice a six yeah. by four board and present it to a, a show and see what the reaction is see whether you enjoy it and stuff like that you've got 100 figures and next year you can you know 200 figures and yeah. and so on and just build it up that way and you might find you yeah, you like the idea of it, but it's just like pulling teeth and horrible, and you just don't enjoy yeah. that sort of thing, or you don't enjoy talking to people, or you don't, yeah. you know, whatever. And yeah. there's no point going out and buying a thousand figures, and it's just <laughs> ended up on your lead mountain, is it? Yeah, you know, I know everybody does, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially especially when your lead mountains as low as four or five hundred, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it just would be soul destroyed. You know, I'm nearly there. I nearly, oh, what, oh, I bought a thousand figures for. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah, just realism and just but enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that will be my thing. Great advice, yeah. mate. Well, we'll take a little break there and then it's uh, time for our little quick fire quiz. So here, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, another victim. Sorry, another person to have a go at the uh, Yorkshire Gamer <laughs> quiz. And uh, the usual uh, disclaimer in that um, 
my thoughts and feelings on this are not necessarily the correct ones, although being from Yorkshire, I, I will insist that they are. Um, so this is uh, no, no, no right or wrong answers in this, as they say to the kids these days when they do their exams. Um, so there's no pressure on you here, mate. Um, we, we've, yet okay. to, we've yet to decide where, whether a big score is a good result or uh, a small score is a, a big result. But we've, we've got between 60 and 90, everyone has so far. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes, I, it confused me listening to to Nick last night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that is that good or bad? I, I guess. I would, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's all it's all about <laughs> it's all about opinions. So yeah. um, it's either straightforward uh, yes or no or one of two is answers it? that I'll give you. Okay. Yeah. Go on then. So go on. I'll do so, so the first question is: Go big or go home? Uh, go big. Go big. Um, contrast paints, are they great or are they a gimmick? I've never used them, so I would say a gimmick, but a friend of mine uses them and he's great, so ah. I don't know. <laughs> tough one, tough one already. Yes. Um, so, um, first regionally biased question, and that is um, choosing paintbrushes, uh, would you go for Windsor & Newton or Yorkshire-made Pro Art? Pro Art. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, 96 figures. Is that an army or a pipe block? That's an army. That's an army. Mm. Um, six by four table. Is that a big game or a small game? Small game. When organising a, a game, do you prefer points-based or a historical order of battle? Probably historical, but points have their place. Uh, oh, interesting. Um Another controversial painting question here. Um, do you use a wet palette or an old bit of MDF to mix your, mix your paints? Uh, it's a CD. CD. Um, I've tried a wet. I've tried a wet palette. Enjoyed it, but just just got out of the habit of using it. I, I'm, I'm a. I'm a. I've been painting too long to to get out of my habits. So did, I use a CD. Yeah. So oh, did, did you find yeah. like bits of mold and crest growing in your wet palette after a while? Yeah. Yeah. And it would, yes, and all the paints would blend into one, and <laughs> and you'd open it up, and it would smell a little bit, and so yeah, yeah. excellent, excellent. <laughs> we're not, we're no fan of the wet palette here on this show. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're undercoating your figures, do you go black or white? Always white. Always can't white. get on with black. Yeah. Um, I, I think we've discussed this by email, and you might fail this question. Um, so yeah. having a cup. <laughs> Cup of tea, um, a cup of tea or a dirty mucky coffee? Coffee, I'm afraid. Oh. I could expand on that, but this is just a yes or no. <laughs> so when you when you make it up a war games unit, do you like your figures tightly packed or socially distanced? Oh, tightly packed, I think. Yeah, yeah tightly packed. Excellent. Um, you're choosing uh, a length of time for a game. Are you going for a two-hour club game? Or a weekend monster game? I would say uh, I, a two-hour club games, usually. Uh, another potential failure on this one. Um, yeah. The, the Nick, Nick, Nick's, Nick's going to honourable question, uh, and that's avocados. Are they just posh, mushy peas? No, they're not. They are. <laughs> uh, they're, I, I love them. <laughs> 
And unfortunately, even worse, I don't like mushy peas. Oh no! Oh dear me! You can't, you can't have, you can't have avocado with fish and chips. You know, you do realise that? No, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, you're right. But yeah. you can have avocado with bacon and tomato in a nice crusty, crusty loaf. But it's not fish and mm. chips. It, no, it isn't fish and chips. <laughs> no. It, Big question is how or cod, but that's what that can uh, Yeah, oh, oh, I might <laughs> slip that in for next week. Yeah. Uh, um, round dice, are they allowed or banned on the War Games table? Banned. Banned, excellent. Banned. Next. Nobody, nobody's allowed them yet, which is positive news. Um, do you like a good table in a set of rules, like a casualty table, things that you need to look up? I do quite, yes. Yeah. Not too many, but I do like a table. Yes, I do like a table. Um, controversial question, 28 mil is king, yes or no? Yes. Oh. Although I, can I expand on that? I think maybe 40 mil is even more king. Ooh. Than king. Ooh. Ooh. That's it. We've had, 50, we've had somebody argue that 54 mil was king. So 40 mil, I like that. I like that. There's, mm. uh, there's a bit of leeway there. I could, I, I could discuss about 54 mil, but Let's do the yesterday. Playing a game, unpainted miniatures allowed on the table, yes or no? That's not even a question. Don't, well, how do you that? that no, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, the most important question of the evening uh, Bradford City or Leeds United? Uh, Leeds United. Oh dear. Um, yes, that's from my, from my days of. Yeah, Leeds. <laughs> Leicester uh, City fan, man. Oh, well, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely better than Leeds. Um, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? Oh, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. Excellent. And um, final question. Um, and we've uh, we've already had a go at these tonight. So, Games Workshop, are they the work of the devil? Yes or no? No, they're not. No. All right, so we've got one. 65%. 65%. Not, not bad at all. I think Nick was that's... six. I think Nick was 60. Was he? Right. Yeah. So that's all right. <laughs> that's not bad at all. So, yeah, that's a little that's 45% not Yorkshire. So that's not bad yeah. at all, that mate. Oh, I'll, I'll tell my wife who was born and bred in Wakefield, but I'm sorry. Oh, excellent. Well, <laughs> thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, we that's are right. going to now uh, make you relax and talk about something that you know about, which is terrain. So uh, another willing participant uh, in the Yorkshire Gamer quiz who did a cracking <laughs> job there. Well done, mate. And, uh, and you. Uh, you, like you say, you can 65% Yorkshire. You can tell you, did you say she, your missus comes from Wakefield? Yeah, she comes from Wakefield, yes. a, a, yeah. a wakey lass. <laughs> She's a wakey lass, yeah. <laughs> she was teaching me Yorkshire, but I thought I'd better not try it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had I've had a couple of attempts. I've had a couple. Nick did a bit yes. at the start. He did his uh, his um, Ilkley Ball Bartet rendition, which was very mm. good, very good, indeed. very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I've been lucky too. Yeah. Well, I think too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, th th this is why you're here, mate. This is what we're going yeah. to talk about. We're going to talk about terrain, um, and I I am self confessed probably 
the polar opposite to you in that I find it very difficult to get enthusiastic about terrain. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, whereas you find it difficult to get enthusiastic about painting figures. I can do yeah. that all day long. I can do that all day long. So how did, how did it start, mate? How did you get into the terrain side of things? Well, it, it just by accident, as I suppose most things, um, I just found that I, because I enjoyed, immediately found I enjoyed the looks of games. So mm. like the cowboy game I saw in the 80s, in the 70s. And then you go to shows and you'd see these lovely boards and then miniature war games that first edition i was at i remember i was at college i was at university then because i walked into the wh smith mm. store and there it was and i was at, I, and and there was this just flicking through it and there were these brilliant shots of lovely terrain by peter gilder and and then ian weekly yeah um uh, articles and all that sort of thing and it just sort of fed into me and i and i just tried it and i found i was I really enjoyed it, which is the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I wasn't bad at it from the start. It was just that I enjoyed it. And I, so I, I built, you know, I started to build a house and then I'd build a, uh, a hill and then, you know, a bit of sunken lane and this, that and the other. And then as <clears throat> you start going to a club and they're talk, talking about doing demo games or participation games and stuff like that. And so you just get involved on the periphery at first and just you know i'll make a house for it or i'll mm. well, i've got an idea for this and, and and it just sort of built really from that way and and well how it turned professional I, that, that's one thing mm. but just i found i could i i could i could organize and plan doing an eight foot by six foot game with all the mm. terrain the guys could do the figures you know in some cases i would get the figures done as well and I just enjoyed the whole process. And, and then it would you'd go take it to Partizan. Again, you know, Dunk, one reason why Partizan existed was for him to be able to get photos of good-looking games, wasn't it? Yeah, to, it was. Yeah, it was his little thing. photo show, yeah. It, it really was. And so we took those along. And, and being in Loughborough and, you know, it wasn't far away. Mm. And so it just – and Dunk wanted to photograph it. Yeah. Again, what I was doing, mm. and put it in the magazine, and it, and that's a it's quite a quite a stimulus, really, to think. Mm. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm okay at this, and people would like what I did, and, and it just all of those little things kept nibbling away, and and I never not enjoyed it. I always yeah. loved making it, and there's, I, it's, I think that's the key to it, isn't it? You know, you love painting, you could paint all day because you love it, yeah, and because you love it, you do it more, so you get better mm. at it. And it's just a, it's just a, you know, continually rolling progression. Did you, uh, you know, did you, you have, it, did you have a, a, like a mentor or a teacher back in those days? Because I'm thinking like today, I mean, you, you did that interview with the terrain tutor who kind of does mm. loads of videos on the internet. Well, do you remember where you learned techniques from and was there anyone? Who... I don't know. No. I mean, I think the, say the Ian Weekly, um, things in the magazines in military mm. modeling and then in was it was it minute did he get into miniature i don't know was it in Ian weekly's battlements or something like that it was something was it? like that wasn't yeah. it yes and, and and yeah he used to do great articles and pictures of white castle and mm. all sort, you know and, and it was great and stan catchpole was the stan gosh that name rings of anyway yeah. so, but it was more that sort of thing and 
and I think I just almost there's t- almost maybe too much about now. So you, mm. you you can get too involved in looking at stuff, and oh yeah, how, I don't know how how do I do a river? So you look at twenty seven different ways of doing rivers, and they're all great. And mm. you know Mel's great, and Luke, at, you know, who's in Wakefield, you know, yeah. um, uh, they're all you know superb. But if you're not careful. You watch too much and you don't get on with it. And no. I think back when I was learning and just, I just, you just have to get on with it. Yeah. You know, you'd have to, the only way would be to ask someone, I guess, if you saw something lovely at a show, how do you do that? Or, but yeah, I was too young to pluck up the courage to do that. So <laughs> I don't know. I just sort of, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I just, I just did it. And mm. <laughs> I just, I just did it. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it worked. Most, you know, most times it worked. Sometimes it didn't. But mm. because I enjoyed it, I didn't care. Yeah. I just, oh, you know, why didn't that work? I'd try something else, mm. and it just carried on. And yeah, so, so no, no. So yeah. how did that? How did that then go from? Um, we've got a we've got a display game. We need some buildings. Dave can do that. To I'm going to pay me gas bill doing yeah. this. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> well, it, it was. It it was. It was I think it, yeah. There's there's some key key moments really. I and there was one moment. This all sounds a little corny and this sort of yeah. thing. But these these are looking back. I was at, I put some uh, some American Civil War figures on the Bring and Buy store in Derby, mm. and I remember I went back to that stand to see if it had sold and as i was there a guy picked them up and said i'd like that who's bought who paints them and i mm. said i do and i got into a conversation with him yeah and he's he, uh, his name's graham campbell and he runs now um a painting company based out of thailand oh right yes and, yes i've heard that yeah. yeah and and i and i started painting for graham mm. and um and i did lots of 15 mil and I sort of got into a a habit of uh, and a discipline that you mm. that he was finding he was getting frustrated with his his work, and so we talked and things like that. So, you know, and he was saying, "Well, you should you should um, do this for a living." You know, yeah, you you you're good at it and that sort of thing. And then he and then he asked me to do a French Indian fort mm. in twenty eight mil with the terrain boards and everything like that. And I did it for him, and he paid me. An hourly rate. I thought, oh, and it just sort of, oh, that's interesting. We took it. He took it to. Uh, it was Fiasco then in Leeds at the university. Yeah. No Sheffield. No Sheffield. Um, Sheffield triples. Triples when it was at the university at the yeah. Octagon, and it won best show and things like that. And it just sort of, oh, again. And at the same time, I'd been a print rep for fifteen years, mm. so I was selling, and I want. I am not a salesman. <laughs> and I don't know how I'd sort of dragged this career out for 15 years, but yeah. it was really coming to a head. Yeah. Uh, and I was finding it just, you know, I've got to do something else. I've stopped all this, that sort of thing. Mm. And that weekend, so those things sort of, sort of set, set, set this up. Mm. The part, um, triples was on the Saturday and Sunday. It all went really well. I went in on the Monday and talked to my bosses then. It was just a small family business. Said, I'm not happy. I'm, not, I'm thinking about doing, about leaving and making yeah. terrain for a living. 
And by the end of the week, I'd handed my notice in. Wow. <laughs> um, and pretty yeah, much, yeah. Maybe, it, it, I mean, that may, it may be, but it was, it, it all really snowballed very quickly. Mm. I'd also got by then uh, another a friend of mine who he was, he was retiring at the same time, Mark. And so he was one things to you know what was going to fill his time. So he was keen to to join. So we we sort of talked it out. He had he could work a sort of website out, things like that. So it all sort of came together all at the same time. And then the guys said, "Well, you've got three months notice." So that's fine, Brill. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Duncan, and Duncan said. I said this is what I'm doing, yeah, Dunn McFarlane. Yeah. This is what I'm planning to do. So don't go full time. Don't you do it part time. My God, don't you? <laughs> and I thought, oh, what have I done? What have I done? And um but I said, look, can we do some photo shoots of stuff I've done? So mm. he got the photo shoots and he got he got I think I'd got a Wild West town that he photoed. You know, he, he set he, he did it a special Sunday for us. It was, you know, brilliant of him. Mm. And he got these in the magazine all before I was still working my notice. And um, that got published. So, But but then, it, you know, you do the photos, and it, it was months before it would get into the magazine. Mm. And then I left the work to go full-time. A friend of mine had felt sorry for me and gave me some, some figures to paint, so I got mm. 500 quid there. I still got a mortgage. My two boys were just starting secondary school. Um, it was... Big risk. I mean, Big how risk. how I did it, I just do not know. My Francis, my wife, yeah. just never never let on that she was scared to death. She supported me completely. Yeah. And then um, my replace, as it turned out, it all sort of works out. My replacement at work didn't fit in, so I got away from ho- on holiday for two weeks. Came back, I got a phone call. Said, "Look, the guy's not working out. Can you come back part time?" do two days of your stuff three days with us yeah. and that that really worked out because it meant that all the bills were covered by my mm. proper job and so i didn't have the financial strain on mm. on the business straight away the, the, the photos that don't took <clears throat> got into the magazine they got over to america two americans rang me up said i've seen one guy said i've seen you i've seen a, the photographs of the wild west town yeah I've just had a I've just had a bonus from work. I want you to do that for me again. I'll send you my bonus and we'll work our way through it. He sent me 10 grand. Wow. <laughs> with that, with like a, just a series of emails and stuff yeah. like that. And that's well, okay. We're we're on our way. And then another American, he'd seen a World War II thing. I said, I want that. And that was it, really. And I, I stayed part-time for just over a year before we, we just I again, no plan. Just one day I walked in, I said, I'm done. It's yeah. done. And, and that was it. And that was 19 years ago. And I've done it ever since. Oh, which and is, it's which just, is pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, how I don't, I, if I, I don't know how I made that. I don't know how I made those series of decisions Yeah, and how it all happened. And, and, but would I do it again now? I, I just, I, I can't see myself. I, I don't, I don't. I can't believe I made the decisions I made. Yeah, and it but, worked. Sort of all worked out. But it's a fantastic. Uh, I mean, leap, it's a fantastic leap of faith to do something that you quite clearly love and and enjoy doing, 
uh, and make it put a roof over your uh, I know, uh, heads I know, as well. I know. Amazing. It, it was, it was, it, and I mean, and I've never had now, I've never had any time off with no work yeah. since ever, ever. Yeah. Um, Mark and I worked together mm. for probably oh, eight or nine years. We, Mark wasn't a model maker. So yeah. we were looking for other things to do. And, and that worked out brilliantly because we got involved in the 54 toy soldier, 54 millimeter toy soldier market, which yeah, on the surface you think is very similar to. That's huge, isn't it? The, that market. Well, it, 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 it's smaller. There aren't as many toy soldier collectors as there are war gamers, but uh, they, they spend more. They spend a lot. They're yeah. bigger. They're, they, they, yeah, they're, they're limited edition um pre-painted yeah um and and their hobby is collecting so mm. and displaying so it's ideal for lovely terrain so they'll you know they they commission me for diorams and things like that and we we wouldn't have got involved in that if we weren't looking for other things to do because mark wasn't you know he, he, he wasn't totally mm. you know he wasn't the model maker so yeah. um yeah and Mark has left now. He because yeah. we were we started importing toy soldiers, yeah. um, which was quite successful. But <clears throat> one dealer took that away from them, from us, and so Mark yeah. decided to, to call it a day. So it's just yeah. so it was just me for the last ten years. Or so. Well, all I, all I can say is, is is God God bless rich Americans. <laughs> uh, and, and if there's any listening to this podcast who want to sponsor this podcast or, or me to paint anything for them, then pl please give me a ring. <laughs> but um, I, I, uh, I interviewed uh, Pete Morby uh, from Elite Miniatures um, yeah. a few episodes ago. And uh, I, he, he wasn't brilliant with technology. So he said, just come down to the to the workshop, Ken. So I say, hey, no problems at all. Uh, and he's got, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a fantastic like garage at the back of his garden with um, a big war games table in, in like his painting studio and sculpting area. Uh, and he, and he was telling me how it was very similar to yourself. Um, he started making his figures, and then one day, totally random, this guy rings up from the states and go, yeah, I'd like like 50 billion Russian 28 mil yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that paid to have that bill so yeah yeah it's it it is remarkable how one decision by one person mm. can change your life yeah and and it and it really did I mean I we we went out to America as soon as we could to um cold wars yeah and we met them there and yeah, I, I, I embarrassed them quite a lot by just saying <laughs> <laughs> how important they were to, to, yeah. to, to changing my life. And, you know, Pete has the same story. And I'm sure a lot of these, a lot of guys in my boat, my situation, mm. a similar sort of thing. Yeah, one key decision has just made it possible. Yeah. Or made it easier or well, whatever. It's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, amazing, really. I, I still, <laughs> I still can't believe how, it, how it's all worked out <laughs> but, I, but i'm now you know people talk to me about well you know how did you do it and this that and thing and would you would you do it again or would, mm. would you recommend i do it or stuff like that? I, I would recommend that sometimes that leap of faith is it, it's so important because it frees you it sort of, yeah. it, i mean you know i had that conversation with my bosses and they you know the, 
they it all just it, it, you have preconceived ideas and stuff like that and suddenly by going a different way it opens up doors or opens up opportunities and mm. all sorts of stuff it's remarkable so yeah yeah a regular thing i do on here is is to is to kind of say thank you to the wargaming wives and uh, partners out there who, oh, who who are absolute gods when it comes to putting up with us which is uh, very true very true for many things yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The, the work that you do now then the train that you do now is is that solely yeah. war games based or have you drifted off into uh, um when i think of a really good terrain obviously other than yourself um mm. i think of railway modelers um so yeah. have you ever done anything for for railways at all no no i when i way back when i was starting i thought right uh, wargaming, because I know, but railway modelling, um, I thought rather grandly film, yeah, um, you know, that sort of thing. And I thought uh, building, offering, making people's houses in miniature, yeah, you know, uh, and as a birthday present, and that sort of thing. But wargaming and toy, the toy soldier hobby has, has pretty much kept me, kept me busy. And I've mm. never, I would like to do railway stuff, but I, I have no the railways don't enthuse me. They, they yeah. don't they don't give me a buzz at all. Mm. And I think if I did railway stuff, I'd have to do all the track and things like that. And that really no, that isn't me at all. Not, not you. Uh, and so I've and but I've never had to chase it. So mm. it's it's never been a thing. Um, you know, the odd stuff I've I've done a bit of commercial work. I have done I, I did do something for um, TV. Yeah. Uh, and then there was the Agent Core thing, which was non-gaming. Mm. I've done. Um, Didn't you do something with some... caravans? I did. Yes, with yeah. ADI vans up in yeah. Yorkshire. Yeah, the centre of the universe. I understand. It, uh, it uh, is apparently. <laughs> yeah, and so that was that was. I think I was recommended to them. They they'd had this idea of of making model mm. models of their vans and then putting them into dioramas, and that was great. I that's been two years now we've done that we're just waiting for the new catalog to come out mm. and that's so it's so it's so different from working in the hobby because you're yeah. dealing with you know normally you're dealing with your customer is a is a fellow enthusiast so yeah. it's not their job it's their passion mm. and that's that's but dealing with um advertising agency and and that it's their that's mm. their job so there's a subtle difference there mm. but they have they have different expertises and different needs and stuff like that. And, and they're relying on you in a different way than uh, a hobbyist. And, and then of course they get, they get real top notch photography in. they get, yeah. you know, an art director in, they get, you know, a proper studio for photography and it's just so exciting. Well, mm. so exciting. I mean, as exciting as photographing caravan models can get <laughs> over a week, but it, but it, it, it's 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 brilliant, and I've I've really enjoyed it doing yeah. that. Um, I wouldn't want to do it all the time because I I just love dealing with war gamers and toy mm. soldier collectors. Really, that's my I, I just love that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, but the odd the odd different thing really was really lovely. Yeah. Do, do you find it? Do you find inspiration, or do you get inspiration from um, other sect, other things like model railways, or does it come mostly from the wargaming community? 
no, yeah, I do get inspiration from the model railways. Their their, their quality of model making is 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 high, isn't it? I mean, some yeah. of the stuff they they can they can be more delicate with their model making because you're not handling it and moving it from club night to club night and stuff like that. Um, so I do, and I get quite a lot of my materials from the mm. uh, railway mo um, uh, model hobby. Mm. Uh, but inspiration generally comes from the customer because it's all bespoke stuff. So mm. I don't make anything unless it's been ordered. Yeah. So that inspiration and enthusiasm and stuff comes from my customer. Mm. The problem with that is, of course, that I, I, I must have half a dozen new periods that I've started <laughs> because of customers who, yeah. you know, well, can you do these for me? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And before you know it, so that's um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there isn't a downside at all. But yeah, that you think oh, that's I, I'm looking at my ships, my Napoleonic yeah. ships. That was definitely one of one of those for yeah. the customer. That, yeah. <laughs> So, let, oh, yeah, let, yeah. so that, that brings us quite nicely onto the next question I've got down here, and that's um, the, the, the process that's involved. So let's say um, I'm going to put a, a big Italian Wars game on at a show, and I come to yep. you and, and I say, right, Dave, I want a, 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 the Medici's Palazzo um, and the, as a background for my game. How, how does it work? How does the process work? Well, I... I, ideally, to start with, I'd like some either photographs or some source material mm. just to get an, to get a feel of it. Yeah. But then I'd, I I would also want to know uh, practical things because um, your game will have size restrictions or you know you have a particular scenario involved, so you only need to be this size or you're going to have you you you're probably not going to want an exact scaled reproduction mm. of that you're going to want um compromises here and there so yeah. it's, a, it's a few emails backwards and forwards that way i also quite early on like to talk just very roughly money mm. yeah because um it's it, it can be quite involved doing a quote yeah and uh, you know i don't i the enthusiasm of someone approaching me i don't you know i don't want the enthusiasm to get too high and then I, bur I, yeah, I burst the bubble because it's going to cost way above what they want to yeah. spend so I, I like to just give try and give a rough idea unless it's a regular customer who knows what sort yeah. of charges yeah. are involved so um and then that that will say yep yeah, that's fine or no can't do that or well I can do I can do it for your budget but we need to do this mm. so because it's all handmade you know it's my time yeah, yeah. But these these items aren't cheap, so I think that's important to get that out of the way straight away. And then it's a it, it'll be a backwards and forwards thing, and it um, I like to try and assess whether how important certain things are. So it might be uh, the historical accuracy. So you know, it might be important where the windows are and you know the, the the details of the architecture. It might not be. It might just be the can you do me something that looks like it or yeah. that so i trying to judge where that is it all and over a period of quite a short time usually um i'm, I'm in a position to be able to sketch something out mm. um and see where we are with that and um and then it, it sort of 
comes together that way. Uh, sometimes someone will will come and they've they've drawn it all out, they've planned it all out, they know exactly what what they want, how big they want it, and all that sort of thing. Um, but usually it's a it's a two way process of of discussing it and you know. Toy soldier guys are slightly different to war gamers because toy soldier guys will be, you know, they might be inspired by something slightly different. They're not bothered about playing it. Yeah. They want to, if they want to make it look good. So, you know, do you want the whole building or do you just want a, a facade or do you want, mm. you know, do you want lots of area to display your figures or do you, you know, do you just want what, 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 what do you want in your display? Mm. You know, is it yeah. how high? I mean, what I, I was caught at once by, uh, the height of a display. Mm. We didn't discuss that at all, and I built it to right, and he couldn't <laughs> fit it into his cabinet. And <laughs> so that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And, and so, but little things like that, it, mm. it, it, all, it all become important. So, um, and it's just it's it's trying to listen to to what mm. you want. Yeah. And of course, when you talk about time, because my you know, my waiting list is gets silly some well not silly sometimes it's silly all the silly time, all the time. <laughs> and so um you know you, you look at you know when do you want it and that sort of thing so it's all it's just a quite going backwards and forwards until and, and then and it can even change during the process during the making of it i'll try and send regular photos of it developing you said well yeah that's great but can you do this or can you do that and um and that sort of thing mm. so it's it depends on the customer i suppose you know, if you leave it up to me to do it, that's yeah. great. But if you want to have input, then that's fine as well. Mm. And have, so have, you, um, have you worked from architectural plans of some as somebody sort of here's a here's a bunker from World War Two, and I've got the plans the the Germans did. Can you make that? No, I don't think I have. I'm just trying to. The closest might be I was trying to do Fort William Henry. They weren't. I, they weren't architectural plans. They were. They were good line drawings. Mm. Trying because I mean, that sort of Fort William Henry, uh, Fort Ticonderoga. I mean, the, mm. the angles on that is the star bits go off all over the place. They're, yeah. they're really. They're really odd. Um, but usually, I'm finding myself with a photograph of a building, and I'm trying to work out. Well, if that door is six feet high, yeah, that means. That's about three doors long, so that's going to be eighteen <laughs> feet long. Yeah. So that so and then, well, I, I get a figure, and so, so it, it's usually that way around, and rather than a specific line drawing. And, and often it's the building has to be eight inches by six inches. Yeah. So then everything gets scaled to that. Or some guys like it, like the footprint quite small, you know, of a building. Others, you know, if they're skirmishing, then they'll like it bigger. Um, so yeah, it's a. Uh, it, it, but yes, I I can't think of a. Yeah, I don't think I've had a architectural drawings. No, I think that would be because the, there are there are there are model makers, aren't they, that that make like um, models of new housing estates and stuff like that that are all yeah yeah exactly to a particular scale and. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. So that's not something that you've uh, uh, probably not had the pleasure of, but have, have been involved. No, I, I suppose the the closest was probably the caravans, really. Mm. Um, but the caravans were. I, I have a um, a friend who does all my laser cutting for me. Yeah, and so he did the vans, and they supplied him architectural plans for those because mm. they needed to be spot on. But I trust Lee 
totally. So yeah. um, to, to work it out, and if he had a problem, he'd get back to me. So I was I could just concentrate on the terrain. Yeah. Um, so that's the probably the closest I've come to. Them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that moves nicely on to the to the materials of your of your trade. What's mm -hmm. kind of your uh, did you build from card? Do you build from MDF? What's kind of your signature dish, if you like? Well, my um for most of my, my time with as TM, I've I've worked in a loft. So I have no power tools as such. So MDF really is out. Yeah. Um, so I've I I remember another when, when I was a print rep. Yeah. So I was going around selling print. I I got some work out of Games Workshop when they were really you know they were before they moved to their mm. their new headquarters and stuff like. That. And I remember after, after this show after this show you won't be getting any more. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I remember I was walking around and Dave Andrews yeah was was in one of the rooms and he was building making a building with foam board. Yeah. And I remember that. And I've and ever since I saw that and I talked to Dave, and I've, yeah. I, I keep in touch with Dave now, um, I use I use foam board. So uh, that's the, that is my go-to thing. So all my buildings are a foam board, usually five millimetres thick, mm. sometimes 10 mil, depending, but usually five mil. Uh, and it, it cuts with a sharp scalpel, you can it's strong as long as you brace it properly if you're putting um clay on it or anything wet because it might warp but as long as you brace it properly it doesn't it's light it's say it's strong and it takes anything yeah i just that that that's the the go-to one but then i'll use quite a lot of balsa wood for um adding relief mm. and detail plastic card i use quite a lot uh and then for bricks and stuff like that, I, I'll carve my own bricks and stone. So I'll cover the foam board in clay, mm. gas ponto, air dried yeah. clay, and then I'll carve whatever on whatever details from um, into that, which can take quite a long time. Yeah, I don't know. Did you did you see Ian Smith's uh, forty mil ACW game at Salute? I did it? It was a coastal fort. A lozenge shaped coastal floor. Yeah, no, I don't think I did see that. No, and that was that was it was five feet long, two mm. feet wide, shaped like a paracetamol. And it, <laughs> the walls were about eighteen inches high. Yeah, and all of that was carved brick, and that it would that just took me oh, for ages. I was in my say, fingers. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I hope, but, you, um, I, I hope you charged him by the brick. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was just yeah. So that's how I. And it, I don't know, I can just endlessly, pay, patience, yeah. not a problem with that. Mm. It's weird. And I'll, with tiling, you know, I'll, I'll cut plastic card into mm. rectangles and place individual tiles on the roof because mm. um, I, I don't I don't like strips of cardboard. Mm. To me, it looks like strips of cardboard. Yeah. So I like the individual. Again, they, t mm. they take ages to do, but it's just, I, I don't know, I can just get on with it. It's weird. <laughs> and, and have you have you introduced um, 3D printing at all into your repertoire? Have you used it to make bits and pieces at all? I have. I, I have got a, a 3D printer. I don't use it much. I have no uh, design. I can't design with software, so I have to use existing mm. files. 
Uh, I haven't used it probably for, for months, so I don't know if I can remember how to <laughs> use it. But I use it for I've used it for uh, the cornice and things like that of the buildings. Yeah, the I find that okay. It couldn't it it can't cope with you know, really detailed stuff. It's not that good, and I haven't I haven't dived it in well enough. I don't think. Mm. But it's fine for the for what I need it for. But it's it, it's it's in danger of becoming a hat stand <laughs> rather than a, rather than a three D printer if I'm not careful. So you, uh, you, you you'd rather you'd rather make a chimney pot than print it. I would. Yeah. yeah, and I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can take away that hand-built craftsman thing. From no, me. no, I don't think so. But although I do sometimes think when I am making the five hundredth chimney stack, <laughs> that, uh, maybe I should three D print them. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm not organised enough, or yeah, I just, I just have to make it all by hand if I can. Yeah. It's just the way I am. Yeah, just the way I am. So, yeah. well, so I'm, I have done. I mean, I say I use yeah. um, laser, the MDF, mm. you know, laser cut stuff a lot, but I don't do it myself. I get Lee to do yeah. it, and he, you know, he does all my windows. Uh, a lot of, oh, am I looking at the minute on my? He did an orangery for me for a twenty mil mansion I'm making. He's done, um, oh, all sorts of stuff, balconies, railings, all, mm. all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I use that a lot. Is that, um, is that um, something you've thought about maybe using uh, like an MDF as a, as a frame to build over? I've seen people do that on um, Twitter. I think what I've MDF? Seen it. What, what for buildings? Yeah, kind of have a, a, a frame of a building and then build up around that frame. No, no, I, I again, maybe how I design something, I'll, I'll, I, I won't draw it out and, mm. and work out what I've got to cut out. I'll, I'll design it as I draw it out on the foam board. Mm. <clears throat> so I don't know. I can visualize the 2D flat as a 3D thing. I, I, I don't know. I, just So I to get Lee to make a, an MDF structure for me would mm. sort of go against how I, how I design it. How you stuff. work, yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So that I just, sense. so I make the, I make the foam board walls and then I'll, I'll add the, structure inside with more foam board and it's it's incredibly strong yeah um so yeah that's how i do that well we've we've gone this far and we've we haven't spoken about the 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 obvious thing uh and 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 i hope you don't mind talking about this because i'm sure you've talked about it a thousand times um and it's a bit like being in a in an 80s band that had a massive hit (laughs) 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 so you know i'm going to talk about your your Agincourt project with the perrys yes and uh, which which I will be proud to tell the listeners is currently in the uh, armories in Leeds, in Yorkshire. Um, so it it was it was down south somewhere south of Sheffield at some it was some it smelly was. old dirty airy castle somewhere, and they brought yeah. it, brought it up somewhere <laughs> nice down to Leeds. So, so how, how did you get involved in that, Dave? Just tell us the story. Well, that was a, the initial contact was through the toy soldier hobby the someone at the royal armies was a collector and he was looking he'd, he'd had this idea for a model and was looking for model makers so uh that was an initial contact but then it 
after that, it went through all, all the normal processes of uh, uh, tendering and winning the tender and that sort of thing. So that was all very alien to me. But that so, but it was the hobby at first that got that that made the initial contact. Mm. And the initial idea was they were going to make it. I, I have a habit of once I've done a job, I I tend to lose the details. Yeah. So it's currently four meters by two meters, but it was we were talking maybe going was it eight meters by four something. You know, it was. Mm. It was going to be massive. Mm. I mean, it's big now, but it was going to be massive. Uh, and then it just it, it, it shrunk down to as it is now. And it was, um, yeah, that, that was another one of those things you, you, you sort of pinch yourself because <laughs> we went down. We, we were having meetings at the tower. So, uh, you, know, you know, the entrance to the tower now, you get mm. the tickets and then you walk through the, like, the drawbridge and under, yeah. under a gate and then you're in. We were having meetings above that gate in, mm. and then we could look at people coming in and out. And then, <laughs> you know, we had sandwich. Then they, at one time, we, we had sandwiches on the roof. Oh, very nice. And, tea. and it was, you'd think, I just make models for toy soldier guys here. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm in the Tower of London, you know, with, with Alan and Michael Perry and, you know, very important, well known historians and, you know, talking. I, it was it was just unreal, really, mm. unreal and um, brilliant. And it, I think it took a couple of years to do it. Mm. You know, the, the, uh, and yeah. So go and ask me questions rather than me blabbering on. Uh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, what what was what was the what was the brief then? Was it we 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 want a field with a, a few trees and a bit of mud on, or was it a lot more detailed than that? Were you kind of involved in in how the figures was presented as well? Well, it was. It was quite fluid at first. So, you know, initially it was a much bigger diorama. Mm. A lot of experts on Anne Curry and things like that who, you know, world-renowned um, experts in medieval history and things like that. So, but it, so it sort of developed as it, throughout the project. Mm. Um, I remembered various discussions on whether we should have buildings for the villages Agincourt and... Uh, I can't remember the other one on the other side. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, and then there was, yeah, the the castle or the tower, wasn't there? That's mentioned mm. in um, Shakespeare. Whether that, whether we should have that. Uh, and then there's a road going across there. That whether we should have that. Uh, you know, how many figures? The ratios are the ratio of the French to the English and Welsh, and, and that side. All sorts of discussions we had, uh, and in the end, there's because there's doubt as to where it was fought mm. they're not sure whether they've got it in the right spot so so right let's take out the road because that then you know, reduces mm. the, the the spot keep the keep the, the trees either side we won't put the buildings in and again we discussed about the, about the castle but mm. again, there, there wasn't enough evidence that we felt that to to put it in and then um so it turned in we were happy with a muddy field Mm. That was pretty much given. Yeah. Uh, and then, then the final discussion really was, well, the big discussion was the ratios of figures mm. to, or the, the ratios of the two armies. You know, the traditional field, yeah. badly outnumbered, but and felt it wasn't and things like. That. So we were discussing all that. That was I found that fascinating and probably the biggest lesson, because mm. really, I mean, if you break it down, it's it uh, it's a fairly straightforward modelling job. Yeah. You know, it's it's a muddy field, but so but but, but what I learned was that 
um, again, it's the different approaches. You know, I mentioned how it, how dealing with the customer as a, as a hobbyist is different from a mm. commercial customer. And then, and this was, and Anne and, and the Royal Armies were different again because, you know, they were, they all had reputations and, and they could put an argument together. You know, they'd write books mm. and so they could say, well, so-and-so says this and it's, it's likely to be this, but there's this source that suggests this and there's this mm. source that suggests this. So they can, over a, over a publication, create an argument for why they come to this conclusion. Mm. At first, I didn't click on this and I, I got quite frustrated with trying, and yeah. all I want to know is, where do you want this? Yeah. How do you want this? And it, it occurred to me that I was asking her to make a definitive decision without any sort of supporting argument mm. and and it was going to be placed at the tower of london and then at the royal armies for as long as it is and i was asking her to make very definite decisions without a yes but it could be this it could be that it could be this and, and that once i realized that I, I was asking her quite a lot really it was a it mm. was it was a tough decision uh, you know because i'm used to that sort of thing and, yeah. and you know i'm a model maker i'm not a historian mm. so my reputation was in the model not in the presentation of the battle and you know it, 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 it we did it and it came out you know and it was in the public and i think over a million people saw it at the tower of london mm. so yeah there's a lot of a lot of opinion and things like that that could that you just look at this thing and that was so well i disagree with that or I agree with that, or no, there's no way the French cavalry did that, or no, yeah. you know, and 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 couldn't, or, or, or you know, none of the none, none of the experts could could sort of argue back. You know, there mm. wasn't a there wasn't a, a rounded argument in it. It was a presentation. It was our interpretation of the mm. battle, and I found that really interesting. Mm. And um, did did you think yeah. did you think at the time? Um, because I'm thinking of the the other the famous diorama at the armor is the, the Cyborn model of, mm. of Waterloo, of, of how this could be around for a very long time, uh, and and people uh, going, oh, it's the Marshall the Marshall Perry model, um, when when you know we're all long long gone from this from this place. Uh, it did, it did, yeah. It does that does that has crossed my mind yeah and because i mean it's the most certainly the most seen diorama that i've ever done and will ever do yeah um by zillions of people mm. and yeah you go and you know whenever i'm in leeds yeah if i'm in Bay, I'll, I'll pop in and see it and i'll go and see the, the waterloo model and i think oh what well, you know will will the Argincourt model be Did the yeah, the Perry's and Marshall yeah. model in a hundred yeah. years' time, or will it just disappear? Yeah, it does cross your mind. But do you look at the Waterloo model and go, "That's crap compared to mine"? No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what he could do. Yeah, with the materials he had. I mean, yeah, those the, the, the swords are, are little pieces of silver, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, it's amazing. It is an amazing I mean, yeah, thing, and. Yeah, you know, I had all sorts of stuff I could I could call on, and, and yeah. you know, he didn't. And I mean, he did it all by. I understand the topography of it is really really accurate uh, and remarkable for yeah you know, for for the the tools he had at the time. Yeah, it's no, I yeah, I, uh, I, I I just feel chuffed. Yeah, that my model. Well, proper Yorkshire word there, chuffed. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's proper proper praise. That is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, was it wasn't there something I heard somewhere about? Um, it having to be cut in half or something for a, to go through a window or something? At... Well, yes, because um, it, it was at the Tower of London, it was being displayed on the top floor of the White Tower. Oh, right. So the yeah. main, you know, so, and you can't, you can't knock the White Tower about. You can't, it's a, it, I don't not... know whether they were pulling our legs or whatever, but it's a criminal offence if you damaged the tower. Ah, right. Okay. So, you know, so, you know, it wasn't built for getting a dime arm up to the top floor so the only way to do it was to <laughs> was to 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 winch winch the pieces up to the top outside mm. and in through the top floor windows and and the windows were about oh, i'm not exact but about two and a half meters wide mm. no is that right uh, but no four feet wide something like that yeah. and then immediately after the windows was uh, arches all the way along mm. And they're a bit narrower, so we we had to the, the boards have had to fit through those. Mm. So we we decided it was a four four meters by two meters table, mm. and that was they were split into four uh, two meters by one meter strips, so they could all be they could all be winched up. <laughs> so we, we we took the uh, we got the van. Drove down. That was quite a nervy trip, you know. It'd be disaster if someone, you know, thumped yeah. into the back of us. Uh, we had to we had to go down on the Sunday because it was a dead early start on the Monday, and it was pissing down with rain uh, Monday morning. We knew that this was mm. the way it was going to be, and um, you know, just you know, and we thought that I'd I'd made boxes specially for it to to transport it, and the boxes were too wide to go through the window. <laughs> um, so, so we had to take take the diorama pieces out on the out, yeah. you know in the front in the courtyard of the tower, put them into the skip that was being winched up. Mm. Thought, well, you know, if it's raining, it's got, you know all this work. It's what's going to happen you now with it? But fortunately, it all cleared up by the time yeah. it was our turn to take the stuff up, and it was all fine. And then we found ourselves on the top floor of the White Tower on the mm. floor, and there was Alan, Michael, and myself waiting our turn to start installing the the model into mm. the display case and we were just lying on the top floor of the white tower sitting there in amongst all the armor and the yeah. history and just quietly it just think again one of those moments you, yeah wow yeah <laughs> it just it was yeah yeah wonderful so was it all <laughs> when it was being winched up is it were all the figures on the boards or yeah yeah, yeah everything all we had to do was uh put the boards together and fill the fill the gaps um, fill the gaps everything was everything was done back at back here in um, Loughborough. fantastic so yeah yeah, yeah all, all the trees were in and everything so it was yeah. it was relatively easy i think the hardest bit of course it was a ploughed field so we were yeah. we had to try and match the the furrows mm over the gaps and i think maybe with hindsight i'd have i'd have suggested maybe it wasn't plowed it was just muddy yeah so um but otherwise yeah that just that's with hindsight uh that was the hardest bit really yeah just trying to trying to hide the joints well it, it's <laughs> it's uh it's something you should be very proud of mate it's an absolutely absolute <laughs> superb bit of kit 
Thank pro- you. Proper Thank job. You. Proper job. Um, we we we've been. We've been going for a couple of hours, but there's a couple of things. Have we? Yeah, we have, mate. We have. It's ten oh, wow. o'clock. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so just, be, just I, there's a few things I want to cover before we go because I, I don't want you to just be Mr. Azincourt and, and nothing else. Um, and uh, looking up and looking up and down your your Facebook page, you've you've done some stuff with with King and Country. Um, yeah. For uh, listeners who may or may not know, they're are they fifty four mil? They're quite old. They are. Well, they're, they're sixty mil, really. Sixty it's, mil. It's, yeah, it's one twenty eight scale. Yeah, and they're kind of a collect, collector's thing, aren't they? They're pre painted, um, but they're, That's they're, right, yeah. they're, they're quite edition. quite realistic compared to the toy soldier that we were talking about earlier on, who were more of a, of a stylistic piece, weren't they, compared to... That's right, yeah, they're the, they're the, yeah there's the glossy ones, which are mm. the, your traditional toy soldier, yeah. and then the matte one, which really King and Country invented as a as a part of the toy soldier hobby, I, I think, Yeah. Um, years ago. So, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, go on, sorry. So just sorry. tell us a bit about uh, how you've got involved with King and Country and, and some of the stuff that you've done for them. Well, that was, again, through... Yeah, we, I mentioned that we used to um, import 54 mil yeah. figures, and they were they were matte ones, mm. again similar style to, to King and Country, but they were by um, a guy called John Jenkins, who was, a, who was a Welshman but based in Hong Kong, and he started with doing some 28 mil samurai buildings, mm. Japanese buildings, resin ones, lovely people, and we we imported those. And he kept nudging us, saying, try the 54s, try the 54s. No, there's not a market, there's not a market. But we eventually did. And so that got us into the, mm. into the, this, the matte limited edition toy soldier guys. And so and we met King and Country because they're, they were the, they were the premium biggest mm. uh, um, manufacturer in the hobby. And um, we, I remember we went to the first show selling these stuff and and i made and i made a bit bit of diorama to go on it to, to, to display it um because they you know, that's i was yeah we, we were selling the figures but i was also selling the service and so it just carried on from there and we made friends with <clears throat> king and country uk because king and country are based in hong kong and, mm. um and andy from king and country hong kong would come over in december to the to the toy soldier show in london mm. and we got to meet and then um and it just sort of carried on from there and I, I started doing work for king country uk i did all their diorama boards for their shows and for, and then there's first legion who are another they're the, um a notch above king and country right okay. both in size and quality i mean have a look at some of their stuff yeah. it's, it's stunning and so i um i've done some work for them and things like that and then andy um and now i i, I do work for king and country mm. uh, for hit for their customers so uh, he will get a commission and then pass it on to me. Mm. He'll 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 work with his customer and then he'll give me a very lo- a lovely drawing. Pretty much it's all sorted out. So, you know, we were talking about architectural yeah. drawings. Probably that's the closest. Mm. It is still a artistic piece, but that gives... A, and then we talk about it and, and go from there. Mm. So I've done ooh, five or six pieces, I'd have thought, for them. And um, that's it. The, the nerviest thing is that I all I have to ship everything to Hong Kong. Ah, yeah. So uh, the last piece, the smallest piece I've done is four feet by two feet by two feet, probably. Mm. So um, shipping that is 
a bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's how I've that's, yeah. that's how I got involved with them, and I love I love doing stuff for the toy soldier guys because mm. it's a big scale. They you can be more delicate with it because they just generally want to just display with it rather mm. than play with it. Yeah, that's when we were talking about fifty-four mil ACW. Yeah. I, I did dabble in fifty-four mil because of being involved in the fifty-four toy soldier thing, but I found that I make terrain, but I, I it, it just multiplied size-wise it's massive yeah so i just had nowhere to store it so i, I had to give up on that period as a wargaming thing yeah because um, yeah. there's um i think there was a like a napoleonic one that i've seen that you did and um was there a world war Two like um like a victory parade or something similar if I can remember. that's right well yeah. i i i just do the i just do the terrain and then andy dresses them and photographs them yeah with, with his figures so that Napoleonic one, what's the, was it the farm? Yes, that was the one. Like, yeah. It looked like it looked like the end of Hugamon, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. And so we used um, the rest of it is just made up. Um, and but he he art, he put Napoleonic figures in there. He put late war, World War Two. He put early war, World War Two. Hmm. Uh, did he do Franco Prussian? So he was trying to illustrate how versatile that dial armor was you know because yeah. you, you spend quite a lot of money on it you don't want to just you want to be able to use it for various things mm. and then um and i've done some world war ii ones that are it's a facade so mm. four feet of buildings at the back yeah. it's probably only six to eight inches deep a nice display area and a, and a river in the front um one of the biggest ones i did for him was um based on saving private ryan the final scrap oh right yeah in in Ramel, is it you know, yeah the bridge. yeah yeah and that was that was great because it was it had to be what was the size was it f- six by three four by anyway it was limited by the size of the diorama yeah so we had to squeeze in as much as we could <laughs> and and still make you know make it make it usable for display mm. but also make it obvious that it was a saving private ryan uh, so that was brilliant you know oh i've got to watch the film what do you mean i've got to watch the film for for, you know, research. For, for research. <laughs> oh no! So, and once I had to do that for the Magnificent Seven, someone asked me to make the the uh, the, the church that they're defending in the Magnificent Seven, and you know the um, he goes up and rings the bell and stuff yeah. like that. It's quite interesting if you look carefully. You don't quite get to three three hundred and sixty degrees around the church. You do nearly. Yeah, but I couldn't find a three, so I had to watch it a couple of times before I was happy with. <laughs> what, what what do you think? What do you think's the, the the biggest piece that you've ever been commissioned to do? The biggest piece, well, probably the biggest table was by a guy who lives in Nantwich, and he's been to salute and won best in game with it a couple mm. of times, and, and it's sort of developed over four or five years, so it there was terrain boards and town and then it turned into more terrain boards and then a, a wall town with a harbour and things like that and it went from English Civil War to World War Two, and that was sort of a, a large area that, that developed over time hmm. another one uh, 40 mil one for Ian Smith um, he, he put big games on at Salute Mm. Um, that was, but they were again. That was lots of train boards, and then there was a, a monastery, and um, I'm doing a, a war town for him now. 
but probably I mean the Alamo I've done a few times and that's big yeah you don't quite realize um, how big it is do you yeah. yeah and I've done that in I've done that in oh, what have I done it in I've done the chapel in 54 mil I've done the whole thing in 15 I've done the whole thing in 25 I've done the whole thing in 40 mil for um, Jed at Gringo 40 that was at Salute one year mm. and then the whole thing in 54 so there <laughs> um, you'd be an expert that, Alamo maker yeah I, I know I, yeah I know yeah and it's um, I really enjoy making those because it's just a, a load of adobe buildings other than the flat top roofs other than the chapel yeah. so um, yeah I enjoy making that so that's probably one of the biggest individual yeah. pieces um, and what, what about yeah. what about the most unusual? Have you ever been asked to make something and you've gone, what? <laughs> it, I once was asked to make, I mean, just a really funny shaped hill, totally <laughs> impractical. It was like four foot round, yeah, but like two feet tall. So, I mean, imagine the the gradient on that. Yeah, I mean, totally. Totally impractical yeah. as a as a gaming piece. So that was that was quite weird. It, 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 sounds, uh, it sounds like we 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 mentioned this last week, like last episode. I can't remember why the the guy who builds the huge mountain in his living room in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, really, honestly, I probably that would that. That's one of those things that I should maybe have. Are you sure? <laughs> um, but no, uh, just think what other, and, I mean, I've done some. I find fantasy and science fiction quite tough yeah. and unusual. I, I'm not very good with imagination. Yeah, uh, I, I like I like um, historical. So I'm okay doing Lord of the Rings. Mm. I feel that's sort of historical fantasy. Yeah, yeah. but I. I have done a 40k table and I found that really, really tough. What the most unusual thing. I don't like doing more more than two or three of anything really. So um, so everything is almost everything is unique. Yeah. Oh, there must be something. I can't nothing nothing, nothing springs to mind. No, no. 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 So um we'll 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 just uh, kind of wrap up there, mate. Um what um if people want to get hold of you then, um I'm uh, I'm not, not going to mention. Well, I wasn't going to mention this, but your website. I don't think it's been updated for a while, has it? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I, it, well, I, it, 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 oh, probably. Uh, what do you reckon? I think the first sentence is "Welcome to 2014" or something. Is it? It's. it's I didn't. Want, like, I think it's 2013 actually, but I didn't want to say. Anything. I didn't want to say. Yeah, anything, yeah. But, I, you know. Well, I mean, the, the the positive side of that is that um, I don't have I. I haven't got the time to amend it and I don't need, and yeah, I, I don't need that. That's it sounds wrong, but it's not, I'm so busy. You don't need, you don't need it's there and, and people will custom, contact me yeah. through there. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I mean, you can contact me through it. Yeah. I do have to, I do have to update it because my hosting company is closing down at right. the end of the year. Yeah. So I do have to do something with it. Well, but, you'll, be, you'll be able cool. to change it from shillings and pence to uh, new new money, then, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> <laughs> what I will do next time, rather than put any date reference, I'll just say 
here I am. Here, here I am. Pictures. Yeah. If you need me, email me. No, uh, yeah, yeah, contact me contact here. Me here. Uh, so that's probably the best. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I was very diligent with it for years. Mm. And then it just, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, it, apologies. It, you know, if you, if you, I thought I might have a laugh with that when I brought it. <laughs> no, um, I, yes, deservedly, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. I, I and, and I th- you, you're on Facebook, aren't you? You've got a presence. I there, am, right? and, yeah. and I find that far more. It's instant and easy to. I can just take a few snaps and post it straight yeah. away, um, and that's that works. Mm. So, I'm umming and ahhing really. Whether I, I mean, do you think I need a website? I don't know. I need. I, I think I do. Yeah, it's kind of a presence, isn't it? That's yeah. there and for, for people to find. Um, mm. And have, have you ever thought about widening out and doing tutorial videos or anything like that, or are you happy in your own space? I, I'm I'm happy in my own space. I have thought about it because I because I do enjoy. Yeah, you know, I don't have any secrets. I'm happy to talk about it about yeah. exactly what I do. Um, so I I think I would enjoy the first two or three, but. There, there are challenges doing it regularly yeah. and, you know, pressures and stuff like that. And <clears throat> if I was twiddling my thumbs, I'd give it a go maybe, but mm. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not. And I enjoy doing these sort of things, talking about yeah. it occasionally. Yeah. <clears throat> really enjoy And I enjoy talking to people at shows and mm. happy to show people how to do stuff. But no, <laughs> no. Well, that's no. brilliant. Leave, so, it to, leave it to Mel and to Lou. And yeah, well, to, the, to the experts. To the experts yeah, and that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll finish off there, mate, and I have for people an opportunity to ask me a question at the end if you if you've got. Oh, one. I was think I, I mean, I did think you know, just the had a core cod, but um, well, cod. I couldn't. <laughs> cod. Cod. Yeah. Really. We, yeah, it was no. um, when I, when when I grew up, it was all cod rather than haddock, and then we oh had we God. had we, we had a bit of a tiff with Iceland or something, and they were fighting in the in the North Sea, weren't they? The cod wars, and uh, we all suddenly went to haddock. Then, oh, I I, th- I always thought up north it's haddock, and down south it's cod. Uh, That's no, what it, I I I grew up with that. Yeah, and so uh, I fish and chips when uh, in holes yeah. always haddock. Yeah, I always re- I always remember cod, and then it suddenly changed to haddock one day, mm. and uh, I remember seeing pictures on the news of the old Leander class frigates smashing into Icelandic oh, yes, frigate yes. um, fishing trawlers and all that sort of thing. So are you back to cod now? Uh, um, no, we're still we're on haddock now. We're on haddock. You're still it's, it's yeah, stayed as haddock, hasn't it? It's stayed oh, as good. haddock. And, and, good. Uh, good. We, we, <laughs> so, well, uh, I'm, if that's your question, mate, I'm quite happy with it. That's a uh, hot, yeah, that's yeah. A, I, 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 put, I was uh, trying to think. That's, I, no, that's, that's a good. One. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's oh, no, no, seriously, no. Yeah. If there's, a, if I was going to start, with big games, yes, you love you love big games and stuff like. That. Oh, God, what's yeah. your? Would you say what's your top three tips? You've asked, you know, what, what makes a successful big game. Um, Can you give me three, three, three things? Three, three, <clears throat> five. Um, what's your planning? Planning number planning. one. Planning number one. Um, decide what you're going to do. How are you going to do it? Uh, and build, break it down into small sections. So, um, I, if I'm going to do Pavia, for example, mm. the big Italian wars, but I'm going to mark down all the troops I need, all the terrain I need, and then I'm going to put it into bite-sized chunks and do that. And then I'm going to do the next bite-sized chunk rather than tackling it 
it's psychological because you are tackling mm. the whole project. Mm. But do it that way. Um, number two, I would say, is get your mates involved. Um, mm. A big project is so much easier with a group of friends who are each you kind of end up in like a little mini arms race, don't you? With your mates going, Oh, I've got, I've got six units of gendarme and you go back home and you go, oh, shit, I've only got four. I'm going to have to pay at least <laughs> another three for next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and, and going back to what you said earlier on, um, make it something that you enjoy and you want to do. Um, and I think those are the, those are the, the main things. Well, well, well when do you, so when does the, the idea of, how to run the game and make it fun and engaging for everybody for the whole weekend or for the perhaps the duration of the game. How do you do you do you, do you think of that consciously or do you does that just come from experience that well we I, need things happening everywhere? Yeah, and, or, that that for me that tends to be one of the last things that that I do. Um, I get it. I get it ready to go. Um, more or less, all the figures done, um, train ready, um, and then I think, right, how are we going to play this game, and mm. how are we going to make it fun uh, and mm. interesting? And you will, you'll, you'll always find because at the moment, <clears throat> I, at the moment, I'm working on the Italian Wars Battle of Fenorvo, which is right. the first <clears throat> big battle in the Italian Wars, and th there's little parts of that battle. Um, so they're crossing a river and the river was starting to flood so you start to introduce that as a variable into your game um, mm. and then you've got one commander who was going off and charging into things when he should have actually been at the back going ordering things forward so you kind of uh, you look at those bits when you read an account of a battle that, that, that interest you um, mm. And then you get, kind of go, well, if I bring that into the game, everyone's going to go, oh, God, yeah, I remember reading about this. Yeah. Uh, what, what's going to happen? You know, and I add a bit of um, drama is probably a bit too much of a word. Um, mm. But but to do, to do that and then be prepared when you're running a game to be that outgoing person to you know, encourage people mm. and, and mm. have suggestions maybe for things who are for people who are like sat at the back, maybe oh, I'm not sure about this period. I don't really know what to do. And then just have a word and, and kind of G them on. That's probably yeah. what I yeah. do. But the, and, do you, the, and do you yeah go on, sorry. The planning for the scenario is is one of the last things that I do. Right. I, and do you I, plan for the number of people? So yeah are you stripped with so if you think this can take 10 people i don't know what are you you know if 12 people turn up on the day do you well no this is for 10 no because I, I i found yeah. some big games you know you can you, you you plan it for so many people don't you and then more turn up yeah. and then it just becomes too big and it becomes too yeah. unmanageable so are you yeah i tend to plan i tend to plan for a minimum so what I'll do. So when when we did um, when we did Jutland, for example, I mm. needed six players minimum. Right. And I knew that that would give each one of those players quite a large force, but a manageable force. Um, and then in my mind, I, I thought, right, if we get eight, what are mm. those extra two going to do? 
And mm. that, so I, I, I think I've got to have a minimum of this number of people and then think about how to break down stuff if, if it goes above that. Right, um, yeah. That's, that's the way I work it in my head. Mm. Do it that way around. So, so you're sort of ready for for more or yeah yeah there's there's always there's always going to be there's always going to be a limit um but then i don't think i've ever reached that point because what we've got here with the guys who i game with regularly who will do these big games they're the ones who um will kind of go okay i'll step back and let somebody else Mm. play what i was going to play and i'll Mm. umpire and join in and help and kind of keep the atmosphere going rather than yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. who's new maybe into to game because what used to happen I'm, was the new player like you would sit there and watch all weekend like you did mm, and mm. not get involved and I'd rather have the new player leading the French gendarmes over the Ford and, and getting that excitement so that they come yeah. back next time yeah I think that's yeah good advice because mm. I, I think it's a, yeah, some of the games I've got involved with have, have just got too big yeah. by accident, really. Yeah. And yeah. then you lose control, don't you? And yeah. I, I guess it. I guess the more times you do it, the more times you run them and organise them, the, the easier it gets to yeah. to to get that unforeseen thing yeah. sorted out and you know, yeah. to plan for the the, the yeah. unforeseen things because we yeah. our, our regular small games are on a 12 by 6 with six players are they yeah okay so <laughs> <laughs> well, then, but how often do you play do you play at all evenings or are you all always sort of weekend um, things we, we we we're normally um, I work. I work shifts, so um, it's normally a Sunday. But if I'm working on a right. Sunday, then we'll do an evening. But we've. Right. They, I've got a permanent table here, so it's always set up. So there's no. Right. Yes. Okay. There's yeah. there's no rush, and and it, it. One of the things that we enjoy about our gaming is that you can talk rubbish about trains or whatever one of the people yeah. wants to talk about that week, um, and we have a allegedly fish and chip lunch on a Sunday and if there's a Grand Prix on and we watch it and it's exciting it does there's no rush to go upstairs yeah it, yeah, yeah that's it, nice so it's mm. very very enjoyable very, very yeah enjoyable. yeah yeah I suppose that's the thing with a club you know you, you've got the doors open at 10 yeah and it closes at five and that you know and you've got to set up and put down in that yeah. time as well so yeah it, ch- it yeah. changes it ch- very much changes how you're gaming mind works mm. if you like i mean how do you you know if if you took you know you took your jutland to uh to shows you said mm. how does that change that because you know you know if you do that at your home table you can do that over five yeah. weekends yeah but you've got so do you do you make do you simplify it and it was it was it, it was only ever viable for a two-day show because of the size of the right the action so um that kind of limited to to triples and um derby uh, and yeah. now of course triples is gone and uh, i'm struggling Derby's to gone. think yeah i'm struggling to think of a two day show off the top of my head yeah yeah um and that's mm. that's where those games from the sods that we spoke earlier on and those mm. huge games that they thrived in those two day arenas because mm. There's, it's a big, like you were saying for salute. It's a big ask to go all the way down, put it all up, 
play it six hours, talk to members of the public, keep them in, interested, and mm. then pack it up and go home mm. all in one day. Mm. Um, so I think the, the death of the two-day show has caused problems in, with for the big the, the big for the yeah. big games, which is a real shame. But there is yeah. loads of yeah. uh, loads of people out there who are like us in a, a little bunker with a twelve by six table and six to eight guys and girls who come round every week and, and play. And, yeah. and a lot of them are your clients by the sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I think yes. I think that's. Um... That's probably what I miss, or, yeah. or not. Or I don't, but yes, that's a, a facility I, I, I haven't got um, open to me really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, that, yeah, I yeah, so I didn't think I'd miss it, but, but talking about it, yeah. yes, yes, I do miss that. I yeah. do miss that. But yeah, anyway, that was more than one question. Sorry about that. It was. No worries. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll say we'll say good night to the audience. Yes. Uh, so good, good night. Ev- good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night, thank you. Thanks. Totally enjoyed that. So that was a right cracking episode there with David. And a lovely interview. Bit of mischief at the start there with Games Workshop, uh, and uh, and at the end there, David started interviewing me, which was which was lovely. And uh, it was all relevant big game stuff. I've left it in um, once again failing to get under the two hour mark that I uh, try and set for these interviews. Uh, but never mind, I, I, I'm kind of guessing if you've got to two hours, you'll do another 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, so thank you for bearing with us. And um, if you sat there painting, um, I hope you've cracked through uh, a couple of units or some figures uh, during the course of this podcast. Uh, next episode coming up, episode 13, um, is one of the two new formats I'm going to try out over the coming months. And um, this one is going to be a bit of a catch-up. So I'm going to do some short interviews with a number of people I've had on the show before, just covering um, updates really on where, where they are with things. So uh, one of the people I'm going to speak to is Mark Free from the War Games Holiday Centre. I want to spoke to him in episode five. We were still in COVID, and um, although he'd plans for games down at the holiday centre, he, he hadn't been able to do so. But uh, he's done at least two uh, that I'm aware of since uh, lockdown has begun to ease. Um, so I thought it'd be great for everyone to catch up uh, with him, see how he's getting on. Uh, and there'll be a couple of other guests. And um, So there won't be the usual format. It will be a series of shorter interviews um, so that you're kind of up to date with um, all the people who, or some of the people, that have been on the show in the past. Um, the other format uh, is going to be one I'm hoping to do in the first episode of October. I've got two very special guests coming on uh, for that one. Um, two people who you probably wouldn't associate with coming on this podcast uh, because of its topic, um, but I think it's going to work really well and it's going to be a great mix. So there'll be more news about that shortly. Uh, but the main thing is that those two people have been made aware and they are going to do the podcast. So that's going to be great. Uh, so um, I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time with uh, the catch-up uh, episode, uh, which I hope you're really going to enjoy. Until then, see you